I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Time to rise and grind. Are you kidding me? Holy on smoke! And let's get this banter going. It's bacon! This is Snowman in the Morning. Does anybody else feel like a Friday? And it begins now. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. I think I just broke my chair. He did what? Has anybody ever told you you have a serious impulse control problem? There is but one cause for me to follow. Almighty the bum! And here we go. Oh, yeah! Perry in backcourt with Louisville up 70 to 45. Perry gets by the defense, jumps and passes over across the floor to McMahon. Brian McMahon to the baseline. He's in under for throwdown by Nina. Second and goal at the one. Anderson Crowder motions across the ball, handoff pass. Stutter steps up the middle, lowers his shoulders. He's in. That's another Jet touchdown. Brissett on a counter, gives off to Marlon Mack, cuts up field, patient run, spins out of a tackle. Still going, he's in the 10, he's at the 5, looking for the pylon, and he is in. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. The best run you'll see all year. The Colts are in. It's 7-6 with a 13-yard run from Marlon Mack. Third and two. They're going to fake a handoff to Cook. Cousins boots out to the left, passes to Diggs. Caught! 15-5! Touchdown! A 54-yard touchdown to Stephon Diggs! Garoppolo shotgun. Coleman leaks out right. Garoppolo throws wide open. Touchdown! San Francisco! Nelson got the rebound, lost it, and has it back. Now makes the baseball pass down court. Roden right on target, and Roden slams it home. 75 foot right on the money from Nelson to Roden. It's back up by 24. They break the huddle. Brissett's going to throw. Looking, looking. Now he's going to run upfield. He makes a man miss at the five. Still looking. Rolling to the right side. Throws in the end zone. And it is caught. Marcus Johnson. Touchdown. Touchdown, Marcus Johnson. Second and goal from the two. Hand off Dalvin. Looks to get the right edge. Five, four, three, two. Touchdown. Dalvin Cook with his 11th touchdown of the year. And it's 23-13 Denver. Donald in the shotgun Crowder motions right. Donald rolls to his right. Fires back right corner of the end zone for Robbie Anderson. He's got it. Drags the right toe and leaps over the wall into the Redskins crowd with a jet touchdown. First and goal to go three. Garoppolo in the gun. Use check left. Coleman right. Gun run. No play action. Garoppolo throws. Caught by Kendrick Bourne. Touchdown. San Fran. Cisco! Feels great, baby! Got the lead back! Percent out of the gun, balls on the uh, near hash. In motion now is Naeem Hines. Hines is in the backfield behind Brissett in a pistol formation. They give it to Hines. No, it's Brissett running with it. Brissett to the end zone. Touchdown! Jacoby Brissett! Now guarded by Collins in the man-to-man. Powell with 11 to shoot, crosses over, gets to the lane, running one-hander, rolls around, falls out, gets his old rebound, and he lays it in. How did he do that? He threw up a line drive that came off the rim and somehow got his own rebound under the bucket. So a second chance, too, for Powell. He's got 26. Garoppolo in the shotgun. Jeff Zero. Wilson Jr.'s in. He runs inside. He's got a 10-5 touchdown! 
And away we go! Banzai! Good morning! Welcome to the Wacky Wednesday edition of Snowman in the Morning. We are live on Arena Sportsnet, Full Press Radio, KSR in Arizona, and Western Reserve Digital Radio. Three hours of the best sports talk you will ever, ever hear. Mentioned we're live on Arena Sportsnet as well as KSRN Arizona, as well as Western Reserve Digital Radio. And, of course, our second flagship station is Full Press Radio. Glad to have you aboard. You can tweet me at DA Snowman's Back. That's Duh Snowman's Back. And uh, that's going to change in a, I'm, uh, that's going to change after Thanksgiving. Stay tuned for the new ID. The new ID for following us on Twitter is at SITM, the number nine, T-O-N-O-O-N. That's, that's at SITM, nine to noon. You can support the show via Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash SITmorning. Uh, oh, that graphic's wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. 9.35 this morning, Chris Pirtle will join me during Hour 1 to talk NBA. Then Mike DeBay joins me during Hour 2 to talk all things NFL. And then I got a treat for y'all with Chris Deeds for Hour 3. Want to advertise with us? You can do so by dropping an email to snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. That's snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. And we got a new call-in number for you. It is 312-878-8981. That's 312-878-8981. Sticking with my Chicago roots. NBA here during Hour 1. But before we get into the NBA discussion, I want to incorporate something just to just to get you guys laughing and uh, get you guys going during the uh, get you guys going for the day. And it's this: I want to incorporate um, a funny wife story, or in this case, a funny husband story. I went to the store yesterday to get some things for the house, get some groceries for the house, and I thought I had gotten everything. I thought I was I was prepared. But then I bring the items in the house and I had to I had to get some milk, I had to get some green onions, uh some bacon, bacon and a couple of other things. So I grab a couple of bags out of the trunk. I come in the house and my wife is sitting across from me and she's sitting in her chair. I turn around and I show her, you know, look, I got some extra stuff. I got some milk. She says, oh, that's great. And I went to put the milk in the fridge. And then I realized I didn't get the other items. I said, oh, no. And my first thought was, I have to go back to the store. I have to go back and pick up the stuff that I already bought but forgot to pick up at checkout. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? So I tell my wife, I have, to go, I, I have to go get the other stuff. She says, did you leave it in the car? I said, no, I left it in the store. She goes, oh, no. She starts laughing. I start laughing. I walk out to the car. My brain turned on briefly, and I said, I better check the trunk just in case. I open the trunk, and lo and behold, where are the other items? Right there in the trunk that I forgot to pick out or, or pick up out of the trunk. So I walk back in the house. And she's startled, and she says, I thought you had to go back to the store. 
I said, I didn't need to. She says, why? I turn around and have the bag in my hand, and she falls out laughing. And she makes the joke to me, well, that was a quick trip to the store. I said, yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, I, I, had to, I had to share that with you just to get everything going and to <clears throat> get, that, get that story out there. It's something I'm going to incorporate at the top of every show, share a funny story about myself, about my family, and things like that, just to just to get you guys going. This morning we're on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Periscope, Twitch, and where else are we? We're on U- we're on YouTube. We're on Facebook Live. <coughs> it's my uh, personal page. I know I'm usually on Sportscaster, but I'm experimenting with a few things this morning to. Uh, probably test a purchase that I'm going to make after Thanksgiving so I can stream it everywhere. And I am finding out that this purchase is going to be very necessary for me to get everything together because not only do I want to stream on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitch, LinkedIn, and Periscope, I also want to stream to Sportscaster and that's going to uh, require that that's going to require that I make a purchase. So, folks, we want you to help us out with this. If you can do me a favor and support the show on Patreon, go to Patreon.com/sitmorning. Uh, for as little as five bucks a month, you can become a monthly contributor. You can get some behind-the-scenes things. I'm working on a backdrop that will enhance the show as well. Um, My wife and I are are working on it. It it was her suggestion, so I'm letting her take the decorating idea and and run with it. There's some equipment that we need to get, and I'm putting all this out there. The reason I'm putting all this out there, I don't want to compete with anybody else. I want to be the best. And many people are going to have their opinion of who the best sports talk person is. I understand that, and I get that, and that's great. That's absolutely great. I'm just asking you guys as fans to help this cause to really get out there. There's some people that think that I won't be able to do it. My team and I won't be able to do it. And I don't want to prove them wrong. I want to prove myself right. We need some help in doing so. So if you'll go to patreon.com slash SITmorning, you can make a contribution for as low as 5 bucks a month. You can, as I said, you'll get some behind-the-scenes stuff. You'll get... Um, got some t-shirts in the works uh our shop will go live monday our shop will go live monday and i'm getting some assistance from the folks at full press radio including my buddy ian glendon on how to put that together all kinds all kinds of good stuff but i wanted this opening segment to lighten every lighten things up a little bit and you know just get you get you guys ready nba for the remainder of this hour including chris purtle at the bottom of this hour to talk all things Celtics, to talk all things NBA, and to talk if the Lakers can keep this run going. You can advertise with us by dropping an email to snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. That's snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. After a break, I'll get into the NBA, and then another break after that, and you'll hear the voice of Chris Pirtle at the bottom of this hour. And believe me, it's been a while since I had Pirtle on the show. We're going to have some fun with it. Don't forget, you can catch the podcast every day at 5 p.m. Eastern on your favorite app, including 
Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, TuneIn, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and, of course, iHeartRadio. And there will be some more apps where you can listen to Snowman in the Morning. But 5 p.m. Eastern is where you guys can hear the pod- hear the podcast replay of this here program, and we hope that you continue to enjoy this here program. Got a break? Come back, and then I'll talk Celtics and Lakers. What is this, the 80s? More after the break. Snowman in the morning, back in the deuce. Snowman in the morning 
where true sports talk lives. Excellent. Oh, you can. We keep rolling on this wacky Wednesday edition of uh, Snowman in the Morning, and uh, thanks to you guys for helping to keep this show rolling. This segment presented in part by SDW Virtual Executive Assistant, handling your business your way. Doggone it, I can't press that button. There it is. Let's talk some NBA, shall we? The Celtics and the Lakers are leading their respective conferences, and it seems like those two will be on a collision course for June and an NBA World Championship Series date. Well, what do you know? The Lakers are actually starting to play team basketball. The Celtics have done it all season, but can they continue to be dominant without Gordon Hayward? And Gordon Hayward is going to be a huge piece for them coming down the stretch. But I'm not concerned about the Boston Celtics. I'm concerned about the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I know there are a lot of Laker fans that are going to look at me with a side eye and go, why are you concerned about us? We were written in to be paper champions in the first place. I'll tell you why. I don't trust LeBron and AD, period. I don't. I can't. With... AD not playing a full season since he's been in the league with LeBron coming off of an injury last year. If folks are allowed to question Stephen Curry's injuries and their impact, then doggone it, I'm allowed to question LeBron James and the impact of his injury coming into this year. Yes, so far, it seems like he's playing great basketball. It seems like he's got it together. It seems like he wants to lead his team. And people are going to hate my next couple of sentences, but I don't care. I have to say it, and I have to say it truthfully. Come on, you guys. Do you actually really think? I, 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 I can't say it plainly. I can't say it any more plainly. Do you actually really think that he can carry this Laker team to a championship? This Laker team, which is not in a way in any way solving their biggest problem. What's their biggest problem? I've said it all season long to this juncture, and I will continue to say it. The Lakers are minus a true point guard. And Rajon Rondo ain't it. I'm sorry. Did I say something that angered a few Laker fans? Let me say it again. The Lakers are minus a point guard. And I don't trust Rajon Rondo to bring them to that level. His time has passed him. Just like I'm going to say over and over again that LeBron James's time has passed him. It seems like he's playing great now, but I still hold true to this statement, and I will continue to hold true to this statement. Talk to me in April when the Lakers are actually in the playoff picture for the first time since 2012 when the Lakers are actually in a position to compete for a championship. It, it may very well happen that the Lakers could be the top seed in the West. Doubt it, but they could very well be the top seed in the West. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I will give you that. Alan Wright tuning in. Mr. Alan Wright, I'm still hoping to procure a, an advertising deal from you. 
But folks, and I want y'all to call in. Call into the show. 312-878-8981. Give me your thoughts before I bring Chris Pertle on in about 13 minutes. Give me your thoughts on how you think the Lakers will do. I don't trust them because, A, they're devoid of a point guard. B, you got a couple of pieces of damaged goods. And, yes, I call them damaged until this season is complete and they actually can complete a season. I'm allowed that criticism. I don't trust LeBron or AD to work together until April. I just don't. I just don't. There have been many times I thought AD was the answer in New Orleans. And what happened? Poof, he got injured. Laker fans are hoping LeBron's the answer to bring them their 17th championship. I still expect LeBron to go poof and disappear. Something's going to happen. And I will unequivocally state, if I'm wrong, I will hop on this, I will be on this program, I'll put on this headset, I'll speak into this microphone or a new one, and I'll say that I'm wrong. I'll be happy to admit that I'm wrong. And for the most part, they are proving me wrong. They are playing together. But it's like I'm you're waiting in in the case of the Lakers, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I mean drop hard. Remember last year, Christmas night after beating the Warriors in Oakland, and my Warriors won last night, 114-95 to snap a seven-game losing streak. It just seems like they were in competition Christmas night. And I said to Cole Johnson when I called him, they're going to fall like a ton of bricks. And that would be the only time they would beat the Warriors that year. <laughs> Turns out I was right. You know, some people love to say, oh, Snowman, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to the Lakers. Well, it seemed like I knew then. Like I said, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm too old school for my own good, and I should embrace what could happen between the Lakers and the Celtics. Could be a matchup of 2008, 2009 all over again. But to me, the Celtics seem more strong. The Celtics seem stronger than the Lakers. It's like this is the best way I can describe it, and I'm hoping my producer Shane Lake can chime in with me. It's like the Celtics raced up the mountain, and they're waiting for the Lakers to get there to bring back the old school matchup. And believe me, there is a part of me, there is a part of me that would love to see it. Would it be the epic matchup that it was in 1984? No, there were better players back then. It won't be 84, 85, or 87. I understand that and I realize that. But be that as it may, be that as it may, you don't know what's gonna happen. And I don't know what's gonna happen, I don't. I'm just saying this because I know what I've seen in the past and I know what I've seen so far this year. And I also have seen and I know what the Lakers are missing. Now, it's up to the Lakers to address that and fix that. Do I expect them to? Don't know. I really don't know. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. But you never know what's going to happen when it comes to the Lakers. Support the show on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash SITmorning. That's patreon.com slash SIT morning and Alan Wright this is for you my good buddy back in Chicago if you want to advertise with us drop that email to snowman in the morning at gmail.com that's snowman in the morning at gmail.com coming up next Chris Pirtle 
after the break to talk some more NBA notes. And I have a few hot takes to end this first hour when it comes to the NBA. And yes, some of it concerns LeBron James. And y'all ain't going to like it, but I need to speak the truth. Troy Williams checking us out on the Facebook live feed. Thank you, Troy, for that. Don't forget, folks, if you're a follower of this program and a subscriber to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and others, 5 p.m. today, you can catch the replay of this podcast of this show in its entirety in podcast form. And at 8 p.m. tonight, for the first time in a few weeks, I drop a new Snowman's Unfiltered, which includes my thoughts on one Colin Kaepernick, some of which you'll hear on this show this evening and beginning november 26 you'll hear something we'd like to call transition tuesdays there's a lot more details on that when a good buddy of mine joins in and i'll have another come back from the depths to help a snowman out also mark heffernan i'm glad you're enjoying the show buddy an early bird gets the worm indeed and an early bird gets the best sports talk that is out there and will continue to be out there. Chris Pearl is next in a deuce. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've accidentally cut your daughter's bangs unevenly. Do you A, line things up a centimeter from her hairline? Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. No, 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 no. Sweatbands are so hot right now. Everyone's wearing them. Like that basketball player and that other basketball player. B, get spiritual. Mom, where did all the mirrors go? A reflection could never capture our true selves. Huh? Beauty is within. Um. C. Look on the bright side. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or D. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have Ta-da! to. Ta-da! Twinsies. <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information, contact You Gotta Believe at YouGottaBelieve.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. You love them enough to do anything for them. Dad, can we make 200 cookies for my bake sale tomorrow? Let's do this. Including checking NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? 
Caring for my brother is far from easy. Waking up every day, lifting him from the bed to the wheelchair to the car to get him to therapy on time, it's no small task between the doctors and the diagnosis, but nothing can disable this love. This is my big brother, my hero. He's part of me, like my arms and legs. So I'll be his. <laughs> See, there's no time for tired. This starts again tomorrow. He'll be waiting for me. I wake up for him. I know he needs me, but I'm the lucky one. Even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Or call 877-333-5885. Caregiving Resource Center. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Open calendar. What's my schedule looking like? Next Thursday, you will be caught in an emergency flash flood between Park and First Street. What? No, no, that, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm busy then. Decline. De decline. Floods don't exactly work around your schedule. Disasters don't plan ahead. But you can. It starts with talking to your loved ones about making an emergency plan. So don't wait. Communicate. Visit ReadyLA.org. Brought to you by the City of Los Angeles Emergency Management Department, FEMA, and the Ad Council. This is Snowman in the Morning, where true sports talk lives. Thanks a lot, Doc. Next! Hey, folks, as a two-time survivor of type 2 diabetes, I encourage you to get tested. If you feel anything weird, like tingling in your fingers or your toes, you want to get tested. Test your sugar early and often. It's something my wife is getting on me about and something I'm doing so I don't have to fight this any more than necessary. Visit doihavediabetes.org and support the cure for type 2 diabetes. Welcome back to the show on this Wacky Wednesday. I want to thank you all for joining me. And speaking of joining me on the hotline right now is the fellow I like to call Chris Pirtle to talk some NBA. Pirtle, what up? You know what? You said something that is turning out to be true. How about those Boston Celtics? Yeah, funny how that works, Brian. There was something <laughs> I saw about this team, you know, just being completely overlooked for whatever yep. reason. Uh, you know, as we know, it's a team that just two seasons ago made it all seven of the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving, right. without Gordon Hayward, uh, certainly a talented team and a well-coached team. So I always thought they still had a chance to compete for an Eastern Conference championship. How about the way they're playing now? As you mentioned, minus Kyrie, I think that was the best thing that happened to them. It got them back to playing team basketball. And lo and behold, they're sitting up top of the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, well, you know, I thought the same thing too, Brian. Going into the season, I thought they actually upgraded at the point guard position. Some people called me crazy. They said, well, how can you lose Kyrie Irving and still upgrade at the point guard position? Well, it's really simple. I think Kimball Walker is a better leader. Now, time is going to tell. Right now, this is obviously November basketball. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to see what happens once we get into April and May. But I think Kimba is naturally a better leader for this team. He's a proven winner, albeit in college. Uh, but he never had a chance really to compete down in Charlotte with that team uh, in Charlotte. So now he's on a legitimate uh, contender for the Eastern Conference. I think, like I said, he was an upgrade. I think Jason Tatum and both Jalen Brown and Tatum are poised for breakout years. 
And then a lot of us, including myself, actually forgot how good Gordon Hayward was. We saw it about two weeks ago when he got loose for 39 points and eight rebounds in a game. And we were reminded, hey, this guy was a Western Conference Mm All-Star. And to be an All-Star in the Western Conference, that's not an easy thing to accomplish. It really isn't. So the Boston Celtics are doing great. Um, One of the questions you wanted to throw at me and we want to talk about, can this team keep going and be as dominant as they are without Gordon Hayward? Yeah, you know, the more I think about it, Brian, I think the the natural answer to that question is probably not. I mean, you lose a guy, like I said just two weeks ago, that, that scored 39 points in a game. I don't think any other Celtic has scored that many points in a game. Kimba's obviously capable of doing so. We saw Kimba Walker go for over 60 points in a game last year in Charlotte. Uh, so naturally, I think they're going to hit a bit of a decline, but it may be it may turn out to be a blessing in disguise, Brian. This will probably get uh, maximum minutes for both Tatum and Brown, uh, one guy in his third year, the other guy in his fourth year. So that's going to be valuable experience that Tatum and Brown will both get uh, while Hayward is on the shelf for the next six weeks. And another thing about it too, Brian, is since Hayward's not going to be out here for the next six weeks, then obviously he won't suffer another season-ending injury. So when they do bring him back uh, for a playoff push, it might be perfect timing for the Celtics. One part of the Sports Junkies, Chris Pirtle joining me, talking all things NBA. Let's go to the Western Conference. And, yeah, the Lakers are sitting up top the Western Conference, but I am of this feeling. I'm still waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah, well, I'm waiting for them to play somebody. It seems like every time I look up, <laughs> you know, we, we, there's we saw the them play shoe dropping. City. There's the shoe dropping right there, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we saw it last night. They played Oklahoma City. Uh, seems like they play Phoenix, Memphis, Oklahoma City, Washington just about every night. So it'll be nice to finally see them play some competition. You look around the Western Conference, and it's as competitive as ever. Denver, Utah. Houston with an eight-game winning streak right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when the Lakers start to play some of these teams. But one thing about it, you can't deny what's going on in Lakerland. LeBron James is playing as well as he's ever played. Anthony Davis is the superstar that we know he is. And they're getting unlikely contributions from guys like Dwight Howard. And luckily for the Lakers, they still have Kyle Kuzma on their team. Mm -hmm. And, Brian, the more I think about that Anthony Davis trade this past offseason – I just can't help but wonder why didn't the Pelicans require the Lakers to put Kyle Kuzma in that deal? After all, they're getting Anthony Davis in return, but hey, the Lakers are lucky. They still have him, and they have a pretty good team right now. They do. They do, and they're playing well, and I'm still of the thinking there is one big piece missing in Lakerland. The Lakers are minus a point guard. They get a point guard, and they're, and they're going to be fine. Yeah, well, Rondo, he was uh, nursing some injuries, so we'll see if he can be that point guard. You know, I've learned not to doubt Rajon Rondo over the past 10 years, Brian. You know, we saw him uh, have numerous triple-doubles throughout these past five or six seasons, and I think Rondo is as good as any point guard in the league when he's playing at the top of his game. So it's going to be scary when he gets assimilated into that offense and they uh, don't play James at the point guard quite as frequently. You know, we were all worried after game one, after we saw what the Clippers did to the Lakers on the opening Taco Tuesday of the season, and we said, man, this this LeBron James point guard thing might not be such a great thing for the Lakers. 
Well, they've over- overcome those problems, and uh, they certainly look great right now. So far, so good for the Lakers. And, yes, this is me giving some kudos to the Lakers. Can't deny that they're sitting up top the Western Conference right now, and I won't. I still think they're minus a point guard that will get them over the hump and get them not just into April but into June. Your choice for MVP. I'm starting to like this guy. His name's Luka Doncic. Yeah, you can't deny it, Brian. I mean, the kid is averaging 29 points. He might even be up to 30 points by now after that 42-point performance just two nights ago. I'd have to factor in his uh, performance the other night. But he's close to 30 points per game. So if he does indeed average a triple-double by the time we get to middle of April and the season's over, and this kid has a triple-double with close to 30 points to go with that, on top of that, shooting 48% from the field and 85% from the free throw line, I don't see how he could be denied his MVP. But you, let's keep in mind, there's never been a player this young to win the MVP. There's never been a player that won the rookie of the year in his first year and then won the NBA MVP in his second year. But I'm not going to put it past this guy, Brian. Yeah. I doubted him when he got into the league last year. That was a As huge mistake. I, I won't. I won't make that mistake again. I won't make that mistake either. He's made a believer out of me, talking about Luka Doncic of the uh, Dallas Mavericks, who are a team that's disappointed me even after, even though they got out of the gate fast, is San Antonio. They're sitting under 500 right now, but it is November. It's not April. I'm not counting out Greg Popovich and the Spurs. No, you certainly can't count them out, but when you look at the team on paper, Brian, it's certainly not as talented as a lot of teams in the Western Conference, and it would, to me it would actually be a miracle if they do make the playoffs when you see what they've got on paper. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, nice player, but he never shoots the three, and I don't know how how well that translates in today's NBA game. That is so true, and I want to get your thoughts on something uh, before before we close this segment. I want to get your thoughts on load management in the NBA. I don't like it. If you're scheduled to play, you have to play. That's the old school in me. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's a tough one, Brian, you know, because I want to say if you're a team like the Clippers and you've made a huge investment into Kawhi Leonard, I forgot exactly what the contract number was, but Mm -hmm. it's, I would imagine, five years, a hundred and something million dollars. That is a long-term investment. And if you're the L.A. Clippers – you're not just thinking about winning a championship just this year, but you're thinking about what's going to happen over the course of the next four or five years. Yeah. Paul George still under contract for three more years. So you have to look at the big picture. And, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, don't you have to entertain the fans? Don't you want to entertain the fans on a nightly basis? Well, if you're a clip, if you're part of a clip, the Clippers brass and an executive with the Clippers, you want to entertain your fans every night, but you also want to bring those fans a much needed a much-deserved NBA championship. True. So you have to look at the bigger picture, and uh, sometimes the fans are just going to have to understand, hey, this is what this team has to do to be competitive in April and May, and that's what they're going to be remembered for. So we're going to have to understand. Chris Pirtle joining me, one half of the Sports Junkies. You can hear him every Friday. I'm a fan of his show, and I love his show. A couple more notes for you. Um I know I spoke of uh, disappointments. We put San Antonio in, in that equation. Is there anybody in either conference that can su- surprise you and sneak into the playoffs? I have a couple thoughts on who could sneak in in the East, but let me get your take first. Who do you think could sneak into the playoffs in the East? Well, you know, when the season started, I don't think anybody had the Miami Heat as a shoe in 
to make the playoffs. I think that most people had them as a borderline seven or eight seed or maybe even missing the playoffs altogether. And the reality is this team may be a team that has home court advantage in the first round. They look really good right now. Uh, Jimmy Butler is doing some things in Miami that we didn't know he could do. They're getting great contributions from a couple of rookies in Miami. Dragic has gone back to the future and looks like his old self in a lot of ways. If they can get contribution, Bam out of bio playing good now that he's the full-time starter since Whiteside is gone, uh, I'd say let's keep an eye on the Miami Heat. Right now they're impressive. Another team in the Eastern Conference, and I was I was told by others that this could happen, and I, I wasn't ready to buy into it, but I'm starting to get to the point where I have to buy into it, and that is the defending world champion Toronto Raptors. Uh, Lowry's playing some excellent basketball. You throw in Siakam. Van Vliet appears to be the real deal. He's gotten better and better and continues to get better. So who, who knows where his ceiling is. But let's keep an eye on the Raptors. If they get a top-four spot, they'll have home court advantage in that first round. So it'll be interesting to monitor that situation. I'll throw one more team at you that could make some noise come April. There's a young team that's starting to find its way. They just need to learn how to close games. And that young team is the Chicago Bulls. Well, you know, Brian, you mentioned that going into the season. And I I certainly uh, wouldn't doubt it. I mean, we're seeing great contributions from some of the the rookie, Kobe White. And uh, they've got some talent on that team. So that's a team to keep an eye on. The Atlanta Hawks, which is Mark Mancini's, one of his favorite teams uh, to make some noise in the Eastern Conference playoffs. They very well could, too. It's amazing, Brian, when you look at the two rookies from last year, Dantich and Trey Young, both of these guys are playing unbelievable basketball right now. And it's great to see rookies. Yeah, you know, it's great to see young guys contribute so early because it was just three years ago in 2016, we had one of the worst draft classes ever in the NBA. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, these younger guys can no longer help teams. Mm -hmm. Well, they've proven me wrong. They've proven me wrong also. And you mentioned a name, Kobe White. I raved when the Bulls drafted him in June on draft night. He is going to make a lot more noise than he's making right now. The Bulls are finding their way. They just need to learn how to close games, and that comes with time, that comes with practice, and that comes with a lot of patience from Bulls fans and from Bulls management. But this this young team, you you get the feeling, and I'm talking about the Chicago Bulls if you're just tuning in, you just get the feeling, like in the Jordan era, they're right there on the cusp of the playoffs. If they close a few more games, they're sitting right in the middle of the playoff picture. We got a long way to go, but this young team could sneak up on a lot of people. Yeah, they could, and it's, uh, it seems like it's been a while since the Bulls made the playoffs. I want to say it was the year that they came in as an eight seed and played the Celtics, who were a one yes. seed, yes. and nearly beat the Celtics that series. They went up 2 nothing. Mm-hmm. then Rondo got hurt and proceeded to lose the next three games. Right, right, and that's exactly what happened, but... Again, this is a very young team. You mentioned the Raptors, uh, the defending world champion Raptors, folks. How about in the West? You got a couple of surprises in the West? Uh, off the top of my head, I really don't know if they would be surprises. You know, I, I love Denver. I love what's going on in Denver. Mm-hmm. I think you look at the big three of Millsap, uh, Jokic, and, um, and our buddy Jamal Murray. 
I think that is an excellent one, two, three punch. I think Murray's getting off to a slower start than some people anticipated. Yeah. Uh, but I think he'll work that out as the, as the season progresses. So, uh, continue to keep an eye on the Denver Nuggets. They finished number two last year in the seating. So anytime you can finish two in the Western Conference, that's a pretty good thing. But, you know, let's keep in mind too, the Portland Trailblazers. Yes. They finished third the past two years. Each of the last two years, they were the third seed. We saw them get all the way to the conference finals. And now they can't seem to do anything. So things can change quickly. And you're certainly right, Brian. One of these teams that we're not really keeping an eye on, whether it's Houston, Utah, or Denver, could certainly make some noise as the season progresses. Or Dallas. And once we get into the playoffs. Or Dallas. Or Dallas. Or Dallas. I I think they need another piece. You know, there's rumors that they were going to try to acquire Goran Dragic this past offseason. That hasn't happened. He still may be available, depending upon what goes on with Justice Winslow in Miami. Uh, but if you get, if you can get a guy, a veteran point guard like Dragic to come in, that might be a good thing. But I think that the Mavericks are one piece away from becoming an ultra-talented team in the Western Conference, a team that could definitely make some noise once you get to the playoffs. Man, if they get the right piece, could be memories of 2011. You never know. Chris Pirtle joining me to talk all things NBA. You can hear him, and you can hear him on this show each and every week. Love having you aboard, my brother. Thanks a lot for the time. Always a pleasure, Brian. Have a great day. Chris Pirtle joining me. He joins me every week to talk all things NBA. And speaking of NBA, not done yet. Not done yet. Got some more stuff for you. Got some more hot takes to close this hour. And then we'll go into hour two where I'll give my thoughts on Colin Kaepernick. Support the show on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash SIT morning for as little as five bucks a month. You can not only support the show, but you'll have a chance to get some great swag as our shop is being put together. You'll have a chance to have a one-on-one conversation. I'll offer that and I'll offer quite a few other things. Go to patreon.com slash SIT morning. And that is where you can become a supporter for as low as five bucks a month. Don't forget, catch the podcast every day, 5 p.m. Eastern time when you go to your favorite app, which is which includes Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, TuneIn, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and, of course, iHeartRadio. I got more for you. A couple of hot takes when you all get back. Snowman in the morning, back at you in a flash.
This is Snowman in the Morning, where true sports talk lives. Next! Excellent. What? Coming close to the end of Hour One, and I want to thank Chris Pirtle for joining me. Join us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash SITmorning for as little as five bucks a month. You can help this show grow. You can get your access to some behind-the-scenes things, which seems to be a popular thing to do on Patreon. So, hey, I'm going to put my hat in the ring and do that also. And uh, there's a few other things that I have in mind, including some rewards that I have up my sleeve that will help folks come in and help the show grow as well. Don't forget, you can follow the show by going to Twitter and typing in the ID SITM, the number nine, T-O-N-O-O-N. That's SITM, nine to noon. That's how you can follow the show on Twitter. A couple hot takes to in the first hour, and I want to keep my focus on the Chicago Bulls. There were a couple of times they had teams on the ropes and they let them get away. Houston being one, the Nets being another, the Lakers being another. It will not be long. It will not be long at all until they start figuring out as a young team how to close games. Uh, Everybody in the Jordan era had to go through it. The Derrick Rose era had to go through it. Growing pains, just a lot of growing pains for a young team that is finding its way. Rob Whitney, how are you? Along with Ben Cantley, Andre Waits, and Jim Shamala watching on the Facebook live feed. I encourage you guys to go to sportscaster.com, S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R.com, and start viewing there beginning uh, tomorrow. Another programming note will not be on Friday. So Mike and I are going to do our picks tomorrow or what we might do is record them live is is record them and I'll play them later or we may do them live in the afternoon. So just a few programming notes. In fact, I'll save my NBA notes for another time. But want to let you all know what's going on as we close the first hour. I will not be on on Friday. Tomorrow will be my last show of the week. Uh, Some schedule changes with work has come into play. And all that's going to be uh, all that's going to be getting together, uh, working on a few things for the studio as well and working on something to get this out there to the masses even more. It's going to require a lot of work on my end. Dr. K has been. Uh, assisting me in the process. In fact, she's one of the ones that's working on a mobile backdrop for the show, and I want to—I uh, cannot thank her enough for her, for her support of the show. Of course, you know, Dr. K is my beautiful wife. She has really put some ideas in my head, and gonna uh, just go ahead and 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 run with it. Larry Snyder, thanks for joining the Facebook live feed. But man, we just got so much going on with the show. Hour two coming up, I'll lay the Kaepernick thing to rest once and for all. And a lot of people are not going to be happy with what I have to say about Kaepernick. And they want to make this an issue that they shouldn't make this an issue with. I'll say all that during hour two. And, of course, Mike DeBate will join me at 10.15. Uh, during hour two, we'll talk, out, um, we'll talk all things NFL and it'll be tomorrow. I'm making an executive decision. It'll be tomorrow where Mike and I will do our picks. I'll include the Thursday night game because I will not be on the air on Friday due to a work commitment. So much going on 
with myself, with my family and the show, but it's all coming together. We have you guys to thank for it. I'm going to pause for a break right here. And when I come back, the snowman's take is going to be a hot one. It's going to be talking about Colin Kaepernick. I messed with it a couple of times, but I really didn't put the hammer down. And it took me listening to a few shows and me thinking about it and sleeping on it and giving it my best thought. I didn't even write any notes about it. I know where I'm going to go with this one. Again, please support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash SIT morning is where you need to go for as low as five bucks a month. You can really help the show grow. You can help us do a lot of things and you can have your chance to get some good snowman in the morning swag and it will feature the logos of our uh, streaming networks. And if you want to syndicate this show, got great rates available for you as well. Drop that email to snowman in the morning at Gmail. Dot com And I want to say good morning to the fabulous voice of the Texas Longhorns. Craig Way has joined the Facebook live feed. Todd Allen is watching as well. I got a few minutes before hour two. And don't forget, catch the podcast every day. Subscribe, please, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, as well as iHeartRadio. You can catch a replay of this show in podcast form beginning at 5 p.m., Eastern time. And also there will be a new episode of Snowman Unfiltered this evening. I had a conversation on this show with a fellow named Charles Wallert, who was the singer's producer, and he gave me a great story about one Joe Namath. You'll hear that on Snowman Unfiltered this evening. I gotta get some water. I'll be back <laughs> I'll be back for hour two when I drop all my bombs about one Colin Kaepernick. And why he played himself out of a job. Back in a flash.
This is Snowman in the Morning, where true sports talk lives. Excellent. Hour two of Snowman in the Morning is here. And if you want to sponsor an hour of this program or any part of this program, including the hotline, an hour segment, a 15-minute segment, you can have your commercials be 15, 30, 45, 60, or 90 seconds. All that's available for a great monthly rate. All you got to do is drop an email to snowmanofthemorning at gmail.com. That is snowmanofthemorning at gmail.com. And thank you to all that have tuned in through all of our mediums. We are looking to do and planning to do a whole lot more. Follow the show on Twitter using the ID SITM at SITM 9 to noon. That's SITM, the number 9, T-O-N-O-O-N. This is probably one of the few things I didn't do a graphic for, but I'm going to just... Go ahead and go with it. This uh, It's time for the snowman's take. And the take concerns one Colin Kaepernick. And I know everyone has beat this subject with a dead horse. Everyone has pounded this subject into the ground for the better part of three years. And I'm going to preface my com- I'm going to preface my comment. I'm going to preface the following comments by saying, I know what's coming. I know the name calling that is going to come my way. And frankly, I really don't care. But some truth needs to be told about one Colin Kaepernick. Some truth needs to be told about this situation. And it needs to be put to rest once and for all. Period. It needs to be put to rest once and for all. And if I'm one of the few that will put it to rest then so be it. Now that I got that preface out of the way, let's go. Colin Kaepernick played himself out of the league, not just with this workout, but he did that three years ago when he opted out of his contract. Let me say that again. He opted out of his contract with the 49ers, which had two years remaining on it, and he did that three years ago. Why, you ask? Well, he got some bad advice, in my opinion, saying, oh, you can make more money with this team or with that team. The um, Alliance of American Football wanted Colin Kaepernick to play, but wanted him to play for a lower rate. And Kaepernick said, nope, I'm good. He accepted a buyout. He accepted a settlement. I beg your pardon, not a buyout. He accepted a settlement from the NFL, and the figures were not given. Wonder why that is. Haven't you all wondered why they haven't released the figures of how much Colin Kaepernick got on his settlement? They released the figures of what he made with Nike when he took the deal with Nike. And to think he's called a hero. Yes, in many circles, he is. He is a hero. I get that. The veterans stood with him, and I love that. And the fact that I will not begrudge why. He started doing what he's doing. A social issue got addressed. It didn't get fixed, but it got addressed. It needs to be addressed a lot more in much better ways. I'll give you that. But at the same time, if he didn't trust the NFL when he was playing, if he didn't trust the NFL when he was fully involved in the league, then you got to pose this question. 
Why is he still trying to get a job with said league that he doesn't trust? Which leads me to my issue with this workout. NFL put a workout together at the Falcons practice facility. Informed Colin Kaepernick and his representatives, this is where the workout's going to be. <clears throat> These are the questions that we're going to ask you. These are the drills that are going to be done. These are the people that we're going to provide you with. That sounds to me like a job interview. And when you get scheduled for a job interview, there's one thing you have to do. You have to show up. And there was a liability waiver that he needed to sign. He looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. Didn't say a thing until right before the workout was supposed to happen on Saturday. He moved it an hour away. He and his representatives moved it an hour away. That's Colin Kaepernick trying to control the narrative. That's Colin Kaepernick trying to control his situation, which he has no control over because, once again, it started at the top in 2016 where he opted out of his contract. He opted out of his contract. The social justice fight, I don't want to say the social justice thing because I know a few people that get cross about it because it has had some impact. It has invoked a conversation. It needs to invoke a lot more. Here's something else that gets on my nerve. There are people that want to make this a race issue, and it is not a race issue. You can take the black and white out of the equation. I said it, and I will continue to say it. This has nothing to do with race. This has everything to do with Colin Kaepernick's performance on the field and being a good teammate. Cole Johnson said it on my show on Monday. This has nothing to do with black and white at all. Nothing. And I know the pushback and the blowback and the name calling I'm going to get. I'm going to be called a sellout. I'm going to be called a coon. Oh, why can't you support a black man? Because he can't play football anymore. How about that? How about the fact that he regressed as a quarterback after the 2013 NFC Championship where an incredible play by Richard Sherman and the Seattle Seahawks sealed the game for Seattle and a trip to the Super Bowl and denied the 49ers a trip to the Super Bowl. I stood up and applauded at the end of that game because that was one hell of a championship game. I judge players by their chosen profession on the field or on the court. That's what I do. That, that's where most of my opinion lies. When you bring social justice into the conversation, it makes everything murky. But at the same time, I am not going to just sit here and allow and, and look at people trying to turn this into a race issue. And they've turned it into a race issue since 2016, since the social justice adventure started, since he opted out of his contract and allow people to bury the fact that he opted out of his contract. I'm not going to sit here and let the folks that think they know what's going on with the situation ignore the fact that not only did he opt out of his contract, he regressed as a quarterback when you're allowed, when, you, when, when you're sacked an average of 35 times in the last three years, that's a problem. Yes, it was a problem with the 49ers and they needed to address their offensive line. True. But at the same time, when you have the skills that Colin Kaepernick has, which includes his legs, where he can run, then you need to use them. The RPO era started in 2012 when you had Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson, and RG3. 
All of those guys, RG3 dealing, dealing with a rash of injuries. Colin Kaepernick dealt with a rash of injuries that we didn't know about until late in the 2016 season. There were so many times where people were asking, what's wrong with Kaepernick? And now, and now the injuries come out and they want to attach it to the injuries. No, he regressed as a quarterback. His throws weren't accurate. He was sailing the ball over people's heads. He was throwing it right to other teams for interceptions. He did not bother to use his running ability after 2013. It was very rare when you saw him try to run the ball and get out of a situ- and, and get out of trouble. That's what drew fans to Kaepernick in the first place when he had that incredible playoff game against Green Bay where he ran for 181 yards. That's one of the things that made me a fan of one Colin Kaepernick because of the way he played and because of the way that Jim Harbaugh tailored the offense around him. But now you have all this going on and you just want to just bear and just bury it in into what he did for social justice, and he had an impact. I'll give you that. And you just don't want to look at the fact that Kaepernick regressed as a quarterback. He plateaued after 2013. And I was not impressed with his workout at all. Why, you ask? I got one good reason, and it's I'll sit and watch the combine with the 40-yard dash, and someone put a thought in my head, and it's remained in my head. Why don't you have Colin Kaepernick make all these throws in uniform? Why don't you have him put the pads on and see what happens with that? You want to work out? Have him put some pad- have him get in full dress. Have him get in full gear. Then we'll see what kind of throws he can make. Then we'll see what kind of mobility he has. Because you you got to carry all that equipment around with you. When you're playing football and you're an active player, you got to carry all that equipment with you. The shoulder pads, the leg pads, the thigh pads, everything, the cleats and all, and the helmet. I'm not saying that to say what can he do under restriction. What can he do under normal football dress? You want an idea of what a 32-year-old Colin Kaepernick can do? You should have done this. Put on some pads. Put on some pads and let's see what happens. Put on some pads and let's see if the people that want to make this a race race issue still make it a race issue. And some some of them probably will. Put on some pads and let's see if he can drop the same dimes that he supposedly did on Saturday. I caught a few of his throws. He was still sailing the ball over receivers' heads. Yes, he made some connections, and they were good ones. His mobility is good. He's also heavier. He's about 20 pounds heavier. That just comes with time. And yet people want to tell me there's some teams that are interested in Kaepernick. No, I'm not buying it, and I will not buy the fact that I will not buy that people think that Colin Kaepernick deserves a chance. If he deserved a chance, a team would have taken a chance on him already, period. I'll say it again for those of you listening in the cheap seats at Old Candlestick Park, God rest its soul. If there were teams interested in Kaepernick, they would have taken a chance on him already, period.
You know why teams won't take a chance on him? It's pretty simple. He's a distraction. There's a media circus waiting to follow him. And quite simply, he's not a good quarterback anymore. He's not a good quarterback anymore. Now, if he improves and a team does take a chance on him and he's a good teammate, if he can actually support his team and actually trust the NFL for once and just believe in what he can do and believe his teammates has his back, then good. I can deal with that. And Eric Reed needs to shut his pie hole. Eric Reed flip-flops entirely too much. Remember, Eric Reed has a job that Colin Kaepernick wants. That's being a football player in the NFL. That is being a football player in the NFL. Sorry, Eric Reed, you've got no reason to talk at all. None. You were his, and everybody wants to bring Jay-Z into the conversation. You can leave Jay-Z out of this conversation. Leave Eric Reed out of the conversation. It goes like this. When Colin Kaepernick improves as a quarterback and the team actually signs and takes a full chance on him, then I'll talk. Until then, that snowman's take. What's yours? And I'm ready for the pushback on that opinion. I'm ready for it. Bring it on. Now I bring on Mike DeBate of Full Press Coverage and Arena Sportsnet's Football Insider to talk some NFL. Now that I got that off my chest. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, my friend. Uh, Excellent, excellent coverage so far. I've really been enjoying the show, and uh, you always bring it. And the thing that I admire most about you, my friend, is you're never afraid to put your opinion and your information out there, and it's always backed up with a lot of substance. So give you a lot of credit, and uh, I give you uh, a lot of kudos, my friend. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm just sick and tired, and I've seen this. I know you've seen it as well. I'm sick and tired of people making this Kaepernick thing a race issue, and it's not a race issue. It is a quarterback issue. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, there's there's no way that I would ever be able to identify with with, it, with what Colin Kaepernick is trying or purporting to stand up for, or you know, some of the issues that that surround that. Right. I, I will never ever pretend to be an expert on that subject. It's disingenuous of me right. and anybody that would listen to that. So I want to give that out there and put that out there first and foremost. But there is a reason, folks, why he has not been signed to a to a uh, an NFL contract that is independent of everything else that's going on mm-hmm. has it been a contributing factor uh, you can't deny that it's probably been a contributing factor but right. the it's almost like the, the the problems that would result outweigh the reward of what would be having Colin Kaepernick on your team um you know, if he were a talent like Lamar Jackson, I don't think there's any question he would have an NFL job, even with all the baggage that comes along with it. So it's a tough situation. I think you articulated it perfectly. So I'll let that sit and uh, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll probably end up leaving it at that. But uh, I uh, <laughs> yeah. let, let's just say I, I definitely understand your arguments and I, and I think you made great ones. And I think that they came from a place that really shows that you put a lot of time effort and research into that so well done my friend i commend you thank you thank you now let's get to the good stuff 
How about that comeback drive by Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers on Sunday? You want to talk about a team that's growing up right before our eyes? One of them resides in the Bay, and this is the most resilient 49er bunch I have seen in a long time. Without question. And Jimmy G deserves all of the credit for that. Look, I know there have been times on here where I've gotten up and I've said, oh, well, you know, he's got New England in his blood. He does this. He does that. It's the Patriot way. Nah, he's developing the 49er way. This has nothing to do with what went on in New England. You can put guys in New England all you want. And yes, is he learning some? Did he learn some things up here in the Northeast? The lessons he took with him and techniques he took with him to San Francisco without question. However, to, to say that it's a situation where he hasn't grown by leaps and bounds since coming under the tutelage of Kyle Shanahan and playing with a talented uh, 49er offense, uh, it's, it's, again, disingenuous. Deserves a lot of credit. That was a big-time drive against a divisional opponent that maybe you'll give credit to them, maybe you won't, yeah. but the Arizona Cardinals are not a pushover, folks. Mm-mm. That was not an easy game for the San Francisco 49ers. Credit the uh, the Arizona Cardinals for hanging in there, playing yes. a great game, jumping out yes. to a big lead. They put the uh, the San Francisco 49ers on their heels. But look, great teams are able to come back from situations like that. They take your team's best punch, and then they put it right back at you. And that's exactly what the 49ers did on Sunday. And they have a juicy matchup come Sunday night against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. We'll dive into that in a moment. All the chance of MVP with different players. Patrick Mahomes gets the MVP chant. Guess who got it Sunday? Lamar Jackson. What a job he did against the Houston Texans on Sunday. Phenomenal. And look, the Baltimore Ravens are really establishing themselves as not only a true threat in the AFC, but a Super Bowl threat as well. And that's coming from a guy that knows a thing or two about covering <laughs> Super Bowl teams. Yeah. I've done it several times in the last couple of years here up in New England, but look, it's it's um, it's really amazing to see what this team has been doing and lost in all this. And this is in no way a slight on Lamar Jackson because he has really played up to the level. I believe he's pushing Russell Wilson to that final limit uh, in terms of an MVP race. I think it's going to come down to those two, and what an amazing race that's going to be. But to not credit a Ravens defense right now that has much improved with a lot of returning players that they had out with injury, the secondary looks sharper. That's a very formidable front seven. Even the linebackers are starting to round into form. That's going to be a very tough team. And look, offensively, this team is just, they're great. They're clicking on all cylinders. Houston is not an easy team to beat, folks. I know they're without J.J. Watt. I mentioned it last Friday here on the show. That's a tough injury to overcome, especially on a defensive side of the ball, but it does not in any way discredit what the Baltimore Ravens were able to do on Sunday. They put in a dominant performance, and they deserve all the accolades that they're getting this week because of it. Speaking of performances, how about the gutting win by your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, going into a tough place in Philadelphia, and a trick play got them to lead, and the defense held on for the win. Without question. And, you know, to listen to a lot of the local and national narrative, especially on this team, you would think that they lost that game. Everybody is constantly poking holes in the way the Patriots won. Look, very good teams grit out victories like this. This is I've been saying this all week long. I mentioned it on Locked On Patriots for the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ian Glendon and I on FBC Radio Live were talking about this on Monday and a little bit today as well. You have to understand that 
teams are not going to just completely blow other teams out all the time. No. That's really, I think, a disrespect to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are a very good team. They did not have a couple of offensive weapons, but they played the Patriots very tough. I was very impressed with the Eagles' front seven. Absolutely, we know about their offensive line and their ability to cause problems and, and, and open up holes on offense and make them more explosive. On the defensive side of the ball, I was impressed by the Eagles' front seven. They really took it to the Patriots' offensive line. They really couldn't get anything going on offense. And Tom Brady has been frustrated up here. A lot has been made of his post-game press conference demeanor after uh, the win on Sunday and how he's, you know, kind of a lot of people are saying he's sulking about his lack of weapons. He's simply not doing that. Look, Brady was under duress for a better part of the game. He got beaten from pillar to post, as the late great Gorilla Monsoon would say. So, you know (laughs) what? Getting into that and the Patriots moving forward, that offense is going to start to open up a little bit. Isaiah Wynn, their left tackle, is coming back this week. That was a huge hole for them in the offensive line. He solidifies that. That not only gives Brady a little bit more time to throw the ball in the backfield, however, it does open up some seams, and now some of the offensive linemen can block a little bit better, and they can allow the running game to get going. That running game has been non-existent, and they have talent. Sony Michelle is a talented runner. You've got Rex Burkhead. You've got James White. Those guys can start getting bursts, and maybe where they're only getting one, two yards right now, those teams can open up. They can get four, five, even six yards and help to elongate, especially when you're trying to collect first downs. Good win for the Pats. Tough test this week coming up against Dallas. Back to the 49ers. That win against Arizona, a depleted 49er ball club. Y'all have to remember, there there are a ton of injuries. I've talked about it all season long. And the biggest question that I asked in the preseason, Mike, you were riding shotgun with me when I posed this question, how will they be able to handle injuries? Because the last three years, they have been decimated by injuries. The mindset has changed in San Francisco. It's back to the next man up mentality. Remember Steve Young stepping in for... Uh, Joe Montana, they had to do it without Matt Breida yesterday. Teams are starting to see if you put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands, more often than not, he can beat you. After two red zone interceptions in the fourth quarter against Arizona, you think that would be it. But the Niners got one more chance, and they looked to Garoppolo and more to the point. And you said this on this program, the 49ers are trusting him. Yes, without any question. And that buys into the leadership and what he brings to the table. And that's one thing that constantly was talked about here in New England when he was here in New England during his time. And everybody was worried about how the Patriots were going to ever be able to make it through those four games without Tom Brady with the suspension a couple of years ago. That was what calmed everybody's fears is Jimmy has a way of being able to motivate players, get them to believe in him and get them to play as hard as they possibly can for him. His predecessor did it here in New England. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, you you see all the time, you see guys that play with Tom Brady, and they played on the same team, and they come out of this locker room saying, boy, I never really understood what the hype was until I got here, and now I will run through a brick wall for that guy. Jimmy has that same charisma, and he had it in college. It's not something he adapted or you know, developed by osmosis from Tom Brady. Mm-mm. Yes, it absolutely helped to to enhance those skills. But Jimmy had this in him all along, and I'm so glad that he's getting the opportunity to showcase that 
on the biggest stage. But these guys do believe in him. They understand that if Matt Breda, like he wasn't you know, available and, and not able to contribute on Sunday, they need to win games in different ways. And that's what the good teams do. That's what you're seeing the 49ers do. That's why I still consider them at the top of the echelon in the NFL right now. They're clicking on all cylinders and they're playing very, very well. They are indeed playing very, very well. Speaking of a team that's playing well and getting back into the winning column, another Brady disciple led his team to a win. That's Jacoby Brissett and the Indianapolis Colts. They threw the hammer at Jacksonville on Sunday. They have a quick turnaround with a game against Houston on Thursday. And I put this out there about the 49ers. I still believe it to be true, and I believe this to be true. If the Colts win tomorrow night, and you and I are going to talk about it tomorrow night. If the Colts win tomorrow night, the division is theirs. Yeah, I really start to think that you're onto something in terms of that. And look, I've been a proponent of the Houston Texans, but early on in the season, we've always told people, even when the Andrew Luck uh, situation happened, do not sleep on the Indianapolis Colts. It's for this reason. They needed a win desperately on Sunday. They went in and they didn't just get it. They took it. There's a big difference there. They absolutely dominated both sides of the ball. And I believe that if there's, and there's a shot, there's actually an outside shot right now, Colts fans. You and I talked about this last night offline, Brian, that D.Y. Hilton could possibly return this Thursday. If he does, that adds such another dimension to that Indianapolis offense that does, that has been playing well, can definitely use the help. There's no question about it. And that will open things up. They're very, very good on defense. I like the way this team is playing. And if they can get the momentum and beat Houston, I think you're absolutely right. I think that puts them in the driver's seat for this division because that's a very demoralizing loss for Houston last week. If they come out really, really sharp and they come out and somehow win this game, then I think you've got a divisional battle on your hands and it could be a dogfight in terms of which team comes out on top for the end of the year. But if Indianapolis takes this on Thursday, I think they're in the driver's seat and in a very good position to take that division. And I still believe the 49ers are in the driver's seat for the NFC West, even though they have a loss to Seattle. They're now one full game clear of the Seattle Seahawks. They get a hell of a test on Sunday night. Two of the best games, Thursday night and and Sunday night. We'll do more of a deep dive into this before we do our picks later in the week, but... That Sunday night matchup, which I, kudos to the NFL for flexing that game from an afternoon game to a Sunday night game. Of course, I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. And you know the Packers are paying attention. They're seeing Jimmy Garoppolo grow up before their eyes, a young version of Aaron Rodgers, and bringing back memories Oh, I don't know, some guy named Joe Montana, some guy named Steve Young taking him on game-winning drives, even though they messed up earlier in the game. I got to tell you, man, the juiciest matchup of the week, we got two of them, and they bookend the week, one on Thursday, one on Sunday. Yeah, without question. I think you're absolutely right. I'm looking forward to Thursday night's game. That's going to be a real fun one, and I'm very much looking forward to the Sunday nighter this week. Look, you're talking about, two quarterbacks that can make things happen in so many different ways in Jimmy Garoppolo and, of course, in Aaron Rodgers. To me, the key matchup here to watch on Sunday night, and I'm sure we'll discuss this as the week progresses, Brian, but to me, it's going to be how that San Francisco offense is able to control what Aaron Rodgers is able to do. Mm -hmm. They are very, very well suited to be able to defend a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Problem is, 
Aaron Rodgers is a very good quarterback. Yes. He's very easily yes, adaptable to defenses. So this is going to be a huge test for that 49ers defense. I absolutely believe they're up to that test. I think on defense, this team is playing as well as anyone in the league right now. And I believe that that's going to help carry them into this game with a lot of confidence. On Green Bay's side, they're looking at this and saying, if we can get some points up on this San Francisco defense and we can get them on their heels early, that's going to be a, a factor as well because Green Bay does have the defense to be able to get some stops when needed now. Absolutely. So this is going to be a very, very interesting game. I'm really looking forward to a seesaw matchup back and forth, and this is going to be two heavyweight quarterbacks going head-on-head and, you know, we'll see what the outcome is. I'm not going to tip my hand just yet in terms of my pick in this game, but this is one that I'm really breaking down, so I'm looking forward to watching this one a whole lot. You know, I'm breaking this one down as well. Let's go back to Texas. The big game, big game for the Colts. They got the win against Jacksonville. That was a division win. They beat Houston earlier in the year. That was in Indianapolis. Now they go to Houston, and I believe they tie up the division in a bow with uh, – they must win. This is a must-win game. You want a definition of a must-win game? Here it is. Houston trying to get back into the race. The Colts are trying to seal the division. Advantage, I say advantage Indianapolis because of the return of Jacoby Brissett and the possible return of T.Y. Hilton. And keep this in mind, folks. The last two times the Colts have gone to Texas, they've won. Yeah, they have, and they can win there. There's no question about it. I think you absolutely hit the nail right on the head. This is a must-win for both teams. If you look at Indianapolis, if they're trying to keep their playoff hopes alive, hopes of a division title, keep climbing in the standings, they absolutely need this win. And not for any other reason, but for a moral standpoint, morale standpoint, I should say, they really, really would love to be able to get this win against the Houston Texans coming up this week. From the Texans' standpoint, if they lose two games, two back-to-back games, in you know, in very they had a very disheartening loss. There's no question against Baltimore, and that was a game that I think a lot of people were heralding as two serious contenders to the Patriots in the AFC. Mm-hmm. I think right now it looks like the Pats and the Ravens are on a collision course, but there's a lot of other teams in the league right now, especially in the conference, that might have something to say about that. Indy is one of them. For a while, most people thought Houston was going to be one of them. If they drop this one, especially after dropping such a demoralizing loss on Sunday against the Ravens, that could put them in a tailspin. And don't forget, they don't have that leadership of J.J. Watt on defense right now. Deshaun Watson is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. But ultimately, you need production on both sides of the ball. And if they can't come away with a win this week, it could start to unravel a little bit in Houston. Do we put Dak Prescott in the MVP conversation with his 400-yard performance against Detroit? It's tough not to. I mean, you know, you really, I don't necessarily know if he's at the Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson echelon, but does he deserve to at least be mentioned? Absolutely. And I think he's done this with a lot of people I don't want to say laughing in his face. I think that's kind of, that's kind of a real, you know, that's, probably not an accurate statement but he's done it with a lot of people questioning whether or not he was the quarterback to be able to do this i mean there were rumblings earlier on this year that said that is that going to be moved on from are they not is, is he not the best guy to be the quarterback of the cowboys i think he's shown that he's definitely you know in that uh that that elite you know category especially this year 
with a performance like that. And look, there's no question about it. He benefits tremendously from having Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. But let's get back his due. He's had a great season. Uh, he had a phenomenal game against Detroit Lions the yeah. other night. And he's coming on riding a pretty high. I said it earlier. This is going to be a very tough test again for the New England Patriots. That defense, you know, <laughs> when they were tested by Lamar Jackson, they didn't quite rise to the occasion. Right. And Dak Prescott provide some similar looks and similar issues that the Patriots are going to have to defend, that's going to be a big key. So I definitely look for that as another matchup, obvious, for obvious reasons I'm looking forward to. <laughs> but one, as an objective observer, I think that's going to be an interesting one to break down to. It, it is, it is. And we're going to break down all these key games for you. This past week was a trap week, and it almost caught the Kansas City Chiefs in said trap after the picked off Phillip Rivers four times. And the most interesting race is not the NFC West, it's the AFC West. It truly is. And our good friend Ian Glendon and I discuss this quite often on FPC Radio Live in terms of the Oakland Raiders and the um, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in that division. And look, the Chargers were within striking distance, unintended, for being able to try to make a case for them to be at least considered, not necessarily in the race for the division title, but a potential threat of someone that could win games down the stretch. And look, they've always, the Chargers meaning, they've always been a second-half team. And I covered that team for a couple of years. I know exactly what their MO is, and especially the way they played under Anthony Lynn the last couple of years. They've been slow starters, and then they've come on pretty strong behind strong quarterback play, good running, and very, very good defense. Two out of those three elements are still there. Mm -hmm. It pained me to say that the third element is just no longer there. Um, I I like Phillip Rivers. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him, uh, the commitment he has to his family, what he's done in the community for the San Diego uh, community, especially, which is where he's from and played most of his, uh, his time. But Rivers looked like a quarterback that really is, is having difficulty mustering up that ability to be able to go and to be able to, uh, to carry his team. Uh, four interceptions against a Kansas City defense, and forgive me for saying this, Chiefs fans, against the Kansas City Chiefs defense that Phillip Rivers made look better than they really are in yeah. a lot of respect. Yeah, they did. Um, I mean, they've, they're, 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 uh, you know, their run defense has been pretty good, with all due respect to, uh, uh, to Teron Matthews, had a pretty good year. Um, but I do believe that if, the Chargers had a little bit better quarter, uh, quarterback play on Monday night, I think they would have beaten the Chiefs. And I think it really came down to that lack of them being able to move the ball and throwing the ball away, giving the ball back to the Chiefs four times. It's inexcusable at this time of year. You can't do that when you're facing a must-win situation like the Los Angeles Chargers were. Credit to the Chiefs. I mean, there's no question about it. Right. I'm not sitting here saying the Chargers handed them the victory. Chiefs went down, took care of business, got points when they needed to. Credit Patrick Mahomes, who did not have his best game by any stretch of the imagination, still found a way to win. So, good win for the Chiefs. They needed that. That was a mm-hmm. must-win for them as well. Mm-hmm. But as, as someone that's covered the Chargers and followed the Chargers, a little bit disheartening to see that. I'm not sure what the future holds for Philip Rivers. Um, if he's going to give it another go this year, I know there were a lot of rumblings that he had mentioned the possibility of retirement last year. You have to think that's going to be seriously on the table. Unless we see something drastically different in the last few games of the season, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's going to be something he's going to seriously consider. 
Follow Mike at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. And uh, speaking of teams and coaches and players that are on the hot seat, my next two words are very disappointing to me. Chicago Bears. Yeah, and this is a team, Brian, that we both, you know, sang the praises of so many times, and we kept giving them the benefit of the doubt, the benefit yeah. of the doubt. And look, I, you know, Mitch Trubisky was someone I believed in very strongly. You heard me on this program several times refer to him as Mitchie the Kid. Oh, I yeah. wanted to see him oh, yeah. succeed and really round into that type of player that we really thought that he was going to be. And look, I'm not saying that Trubisky is 100% a bust. I'm not going to say that he's not going to go on to have a good NFL career. I'm starting to question whether or not he might be the right man under center for the Chicago Bears team. I think they may need someone with a little bit more um, dynamic ability, uh, maybe a little bit more athletic, someone that complements the supporting pieces that they have around in Chicago because this defense is still a very good defense. It is. They can still it get is. stops. And when you take a look at how an offense and a defense can feed off of one another. I give you the New England Patriots mm-hmm. right now. They are struggling. This is a New England Patriots offense that is struggling as much as I've seen them struggle in a long time. But they're getting wins and they're staying in games because they're feeding off of the energy of their defense and their special teams. But they also have capable players on offense that can step up and make plays when they need to. I don't see that out of the Chicago Bears this year. I still think Trubisky may have something left in him. If he does, it might help the Bears to be able to regroup this year in the offseason, make a strong push, maybe to you know, get a veteran free agent in there that'll be able to help solidify that. But if this trend continues, and I don't see any upward trends right no, now, I don't. then in the offseason you have to start taking a look at maybe... I want to say moving on, but maybe just exploring your options, I guess, is the most diplomatic way for me to put it. And here's the thing that a lot of people forget about Trubisky. He was named the starter with the Bears. Seven starts at North Carolina. Remember, he backed up Marquise Williams when uh, Marquise Williams carried the Tar Heels to a Coastal Division championship and a date with Clemson in the ACC championship game in uh, 2015. Trubisky had some flashes when he was at North Carolina. But taking a look right now, it may seem to me that they need to find a quarterback that had a lot more starts in college and is ready to assume that role that Bears fans are looking for from the quarterback position. Yeah, I think a veteran presence is something they desperately need under center, and that's no knock on Trubisky's uh, athletic ability. I hear people say all the time, oh, well, can you imagine the Bears passed on Deshaun Watson, they passed on Patrick Mahomes, and Mm -hmm. they picked up Mitch Trubisky. I don't want to hear that. I mean, there are so many you know, hits or misses when it comes to drafting quarterbacks. Look, people forget the New England Patriots passed on Tom Brady for five rounds before they picked him up in the sixth round. You know, it's not a situation where, you know, you're able to pluck guys out of obscurity and press all the right buttons. Hey, the 49ers passed on Montana twice, two other rounds. They finally snatched him in the, finally (laughs) snatched him in the third round. What people don't get, Tom Brady, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. Joe Montana was a third round pick. And you're talking about two Hall of Famers here. Okay. It's the the seasoning that they had. Brady at Michigan, Montana at Notre Notre Dame. You're seeing it with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. You saw it with Steve Young in San Francisco. You're seeing it with Jacoby Percet in Indianapolis. It's the seasoning before they get to the NFL is where 
you're see- is where is where the difference is. Absolutely, and when you have a guy that can, you know, either redshirt a year, hold a clipboard for a little while, get used to running an offense, get used to seeing how a veteran can run the offense, it makes so much of a difference in the seasoning of the quarterback and how they're able to go through. Trubisky never had that luxury, so right. you know what? In a lot of situations. Maybe it is going to be best for the Bears to move on. I'm not saying that it is. I'm really not. But at this point, maybe a veteran presence coming in with a lot of young guys on that offense, I think might be exactly what the doctor ordered for both sides. So we'll see. We'll continue to monitor it. I still have hopes, uh, you know, for the Bears to be able to at least string together some wins, go into next season on a positive level. I think Minnesota's starting to separate themselves in yep. that division. Obviously, Green Bay being, uh, you know, at top. And, you know, then it looks like the Bears and the Lions kind of, you know, treading water right now. But uh, at this point, yeah, disappointing season in Chicago, no question about it. I think a lot of people had much higher expectations. But uh, it's not doom and gloom on the horizon for Chicago. Even right. if this year is lost, folks, there's still a lot to build on on that franchise. And, you know, you have to, you know, hope that uh, their uh, their front office uh, does their job, does their due diligence, and makes the best move that they can possibly make for that uh, that franchise. And they had that Rams game. Sunday night, they had that Rams game. The defense giving the Bears offense chance after chance after chance. The Bears marched down, put it in the end zone, start the second half down 10-7. That defense kept them in the game. It's unfortunate that the Bears just couldn't move the football. Yeah, just couldn't muster anything. And, you know, it's it's moments like that where you start to see teams either buy into a situation and go get it, or they don't and you know it's 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 tough to say i don't want to put a lot on Matt Nagy because i think he's done an, a fairly decent job the last couple of years but you know you saw the new england patriots do that they couldn't get anything going on offense what did they do they dialed up a trick play mm-hmm. even though the patriots probably didn't want to put that out of their arsenal in the third quarter on the first drive of the third quarter i think they probably would have either preferred to keep that in their arsenal or maybe use it a little bit later in the game but they knew they needed it and they went out and got it that's different sometimes in uh, in quarterbacks and uh, especially in game planning uh in terms of how you're going to be able to move the uh the football so bears have some work to do there's no question about it and they Mm -hmm. were they were in that game on sunday night but uh ultimately they just weren't able to get the job done one more, a uh, couple more notes, and uh, it's with the 49ers. The game-winning throw by Garoppolo. You've seen uh, Garoppolo make that throw in New England when he was supping for uh, Tom Brady. Amidst a blitz, Garoppolo has done a much better job this part of the season in reading the blitz and getting the ball out quickly. He got the ball out so fast to Jeff Wilson, and Wilson was able to cruise into the end zone you're seeing the mechanics of garoppolo round into shape and remember folks he's coming off of a very horrific injury that cost him an entire season i'm still hearing naysayers about jimmy garoppolo saying oh well he made some mistakes yeah he made some mistakes but 424 yards and four touchdowns including the game winner to jeff wilson on a blitz and you want to watch that come sunday we'll do more of a deep dive into it tomorrow you want to watch how Garoppolo has reacted better to a blitz than he was earlier in the year. Yeah, and that's actually a very strong part of Jimmy's game. If you look at his scouting report, which I have several times from his time here in New England and then when he got traded to San Francisco, 
that's been a very key part of what type of quarterback he is. He reads the blitz very well. Zero blitz is one of the best times that that Jimmy was able to shine and show his ability to yes. be able to read defenses, get the ball out quickly, and find the open man. That's one of the reasons why Bill Belichick brought him in. Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks in history at that coming at you from the zero blitz. He gets the ball out so quickly, and that's one of the staples of his game. I think that's one of the reasons why Bill Belichick looked at Garoppolo as the heir apparent Mm -hmm. here in New England. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing this this aspect of the game come back. Don't forget, there are two factors in why Jimmy hasn't been so great against the blitz the last couple of years. One, it's not easy to come into a new situation, take the reins, be the man, have that contract that everybody is, is basically, you know, throwing in your face about you being the man. You're the, the you know, time. you're one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. It does take a little bit of adjustment, folks. Yep. It's not an easy thing. Heavy lies the crown sort of thing when yep. it comes to that. The second factor is exactly what you said. It's an ACL injury. He's coming back from a difficult situation. He needs time to be able to adjust and feel out his body, know exactly what he can do, and get himself back into physical shape. Now that he's done it, I think that there's definitely a good possibility that you're going to see a lot more of that. Him being pressured with the zero blitz, getting the ball out, and being able to deliver key throws in key situations. Look for Jimmy to continue that because that is something he's very good at despite his early season struggles. Oh, man, Jimmy Garoppolo is indeed that franchise quarterback for the 49ers. Hey, third time around, what do you think of that? Montana Young, now Garoppolo showing what he can do. Had Jeff Garcia for a while, but he went on to Cleveland. But you got Jimmy Garoppolo locked in place. He is improving every single week. The loss against Seattle showed a lot of guts about Garoppolo also to get his team in position to not only tie the game, but to win the game. And that ferocious San Francisco defense. Yes, they've given up points, but when they needed a big play, that ferocious and dynamite San Francisco defense, very young, by the way, they've come through. Absolutely, without question. And again, as good as Jimmy's been the last couple of weeks, despite some of the struggles that he's had, and he's had them. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he's been perfect. He has, and he's had there have been some throws and there have been some fumbles that I'm sure he would love to have back, Mm -hmm. and he should want to have them back strength of that team is their defense and they continue to continue to be an impressive part of what the San Francisco 49ers are doing so for that reason I still consider them the top team in the NFC right now and until someone unseats them namely the Green Bay Packers I know we're going to be dying to do that a lot of people are saying <laughs> that the Packers are licking their chops be careful what you wish for exactly this is a different type of defense than the ones you're used to facing Green Bay I wouldn't be too overconfident in this game. I'd be very, very skeptical. (laughs) With all due respect, I think that's more on the fan base perspective. I think if you look at it, the true analyst or definitely the team is looking at this as a very, very tall test. And don't kid yourself, in Green Bay, they're taking the San Francisco 49ers very seriously. And San Francisco's doing the same for Green Bay. Green Bay's been at the top for no question. Green Bay's been at the top for a while. You got a very young team in San Francisco. And I leave you with this I leave you with this point. This is how we how we close it. I've had a lot of people laugh at me, present company excluded, Ian Glendon same way, when I said when I said this statement after they went four and against Cleveland. The 49ers are playing with a lot of house money right now. 
No one expected them to come out the way that they came out. They got knocked down against Seattle, but y'all seem to forget the Niners still lead the NFC West, even though they do have a loss against Seattle. Now they're just collecting all the house money that they can. And coming into this week against Green Bay, of course, you got to go see New Orleans. You got to go see Baltimore. Who expected the four, aside of yours truly, who expected the 49ers to come out like this? And you were on this very program when we did our draft coverage and we asked who could be the team to unseat the Rams in the West. You're looking at them in the 49ers. Without question. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. And I'll be the first to admit, look, I had high hopes for the 49ers. I'd be lying if I said I believed that they would be 9-1 and one at this point in the season. Right. I just didn't think that they would be at that level that quickly. Now, contending and being in the mix, absolutely. I yes. thought this team had the talent on both sides of the ball to do that. But you believe that this team could be at the top of the NFC. And I want to give you all the credit in the world for that, my friend, because you did. You hit that very, very accurately. But when you look at the way this roster is constituted, it's hard to imagine how we all didn't see it. <laughs> and, you know, it really <laughs> is between the defense, between the way the linebackers play, that secondary is as formidable as you'll find in the NFL. They've got a great front seven. The linebackers playing well on offense. They have a tremendous running game, and they have a capable quarterback of, of a guy that's definitely capable of hitting his targets. Bringing in Emmanuel Sanders, I know there's been some injury concerns with him, but he will end up being a, a contributing factor down the line. George Kittle, to me, is still one of the best, if not the best, tight end in football. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to like on this San Francisco 49ers team. So, you know, if you're a 49ers fan, that loss against the Seattle Seahawks does not need to be a demoralizing loss. Just like here in New England, the Baltimore Ravens loss wasn't a reason for everyone to start perching on the end of the Tobin Bridge up right. in Boston <laughs> off the Charles River. You want to make sure that you take the long approach and you take the viewpoint that it's a marathon and not a sprint even exactly. though the nfl season's short folks it's still a long picture and the future's bright in san francisco there's no question about it It really is and and one more player to, one more player to talk about is a player i have been touting for two years he was out with an injury this past sunday they get him back they get kittle back and the person i am referring to is matt Breida. yeah he's been tremendous i think one of their offensive MVPs and I don't see how you can make the argument any other way I mean he really has been tremendous for this team you've been on the Breda bandwagon for a long time you got me on to it I've always <laughs> been a fan of his game but you really turned me on to just how good this kid can be and he's been phenomenal for them so getting him back in the lineup is huge for San Francisco yes. he opens up so much I liken him a lot to not the style of play but I liken him a lot to James White in New England. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because White is really that cog in the Patriots offense that just makes it go. Yes. He took over for Kevin Falk, who had that role for so many years. Mm -hmm. That was that third down threat. He could put his head down and he could get you yards ahead if you needed him to, but he can catch plays out of the backfield. He's such a threat in play action. Breda, Breda's a little bit more of a traditional running back, but he does show that ability to be able to get open and catch plays out of the backfield. He's such an important part of that offense, and I really look forward to seeing what he's got in the tank for the remainder of the season and into the playoffs. Can't wait to watch this team on the big stage because I think they're up for it, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Even though they're a 9-1 and team and they're at the top <laughs> of the, uh, uh, the division, you still on top of the conference, excuse me, 
there's still people that say, well, they haven't been there before. Well, sure. well, well, call me when they've done it before. Well, guess what? In order to do it, you have to do it once and you have to get yep. there. It doesn't mean that just because you haven't been there, you're going to fall flat. Every team, every great team has had to start somewhere. And I think the 49ers are off to a great start. And I think they're only going to continue the, the, the great things that they've uh, had already this season. The future is very, very bright, not just for this season, but beyond for my beloved San Francisco 49ers. I've loved them since 81. Joe Montana is the reason why. And folks, they're 9-1. and one. They get a hell of a test on Sunday night. That's Mike DeBate from Full Press Coverage, my NFL insider who joins me each week to talk some football. Uh, there's going to be a schedule change this week, like I said. Uh, won't be available Friday. But, Mike, I'd love to get you on tomorrow. We, let's do some deep dives into especially the Sunday night game in, in Santa Clara. And then we'll do our picks tomorrow and then – I'll repost on Friday. Would love to have you, my friend. Oh, without a doubt. I can definitely do it. I'll be more than happy to come back. And it's always a blast. It's always one of the best parts of my week is sharing the microphone with you. And, folks, if you think that we're fun to listen to now, imagine if Brian and I have two weeks to prepare for a 49ers Patriots Super Bowl. Oh, man, it'll be a real, real fun time. This will be a fun, fun show to listen to. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. There I know, are 30 I other know. fan bases right now that are throwing stuff at the radio or the computer screen and saying, shut up, we don't want to hear that. But, you know, I know we're hoping for it. I can tell you right now, Brian and I are hoping for it. We've been saying that since the draft. We've been saying that since the draft. We've been saying that since the draft. What would happen if Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady met in Miami on February 2nd? Look at where they are right now. Both are 9-1, and one and holy cow, they are speeding well, I mean, toward— look at, look at the stars— <laughs> <laughs> Look at the stars aligning. You got Gronk hosting a beach party in Miami yep. now, it's Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> if you got Brady on one side, Garoppolo on the other, uh, you know, Brady going against the Kyle Shanahan team. Last time he did that in the Super Bowl, worked out pretty well in New England. It, it would be an amazing story. There would be unlimited amounts of things to write about, talk about. Uh, would be amazing. But it, you know what? There's still a lot of football to be played, my yes, friend. We, there, can't take, we can't start resting on our laurels right now. No, we, we can't. Neither team will. I don't expect either team to. Mike DeBay joining me as he does. We'll do some deep dives tomorrow, and we'll do our picks tomorrow, and it'll include the Thursday night game. We're definitely going to dive into that. Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate the time. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Have a great day, bud. Man, I tell you what, it's so much fun having Mike DeBate on the program. You can support the show uh, by going to patreon.com slash sitmorning. That's patreon.com slash sitmorning. Holy cow, what a morning. What a morning we have had so far. If you want to advertise with us, drop an email to snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. That's snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. Coming up next, a special treat with deets uh-oh catch the podcast every day 5 p.m eastern time on your favorite app including apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify TuneIn, breaker and of course i heart radio there's a lot more that we have for you hour three on the way snowman in the morning back in a flash
This is Snowman in the Morning, where true sports talk lives. Did you not get the memo? Holy on smoke! Hour three of a Snowman in the Morning happening right now. This hour presented by SDW Virtual Executive Assistant. And uh, I promised y'all a treat. Here's Chris Dietz on the line with me this morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Snowman. How are we doing? Doing good. How are you, buddy? Um, I'm doing all right. I I got I gotta say it's been it's been a rough couple days, and I'm gonna blame I'm blaming you. Why are you blaming for me? The fact that all right. So a couple weeks ago, you asked me <laughs> what would my fix be to college football, mm-hmm. and since then I have been racking my brain to get that uh get that accomplished and, and i bl- think i have i think i have nailed it down you're blaming me um, for that for something you've wanted to talk about for a long time <laughs> i think i i guess because it, it, it's just it's it's not it well there's there's you could say blame you could say credit you could you you could say you could say all those all those kinds all those kinds of words. So I'm having it, fun. You got it. me on that. You got <laughs> me on that kick. So I've got it. I've 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 got it down. And um, uh, and so the thing that the thing that everybody has to understand is, all right, changing college football is a daunting task mm-hmm. because everybody everybody wants to complain. Everybody wants to complain. Yep. And compl- everybody will complain. Oh, it's not fair. They don't do this. You know, why do they only do this? We need to expand. We need to do this. We need to do that. The minute you present somebody with, hey, here's how I would do it, all of that changes. Yeah. To, Oh no no no! We can't change anything. We can't we can't we can't do this differently. And it's like, wait, you just said this system doesn't work, but yet change. It, it's like it, it, no no no. We can't we can't. It's it's good. It's good the way like people are so backwards with it. But yeah yeah they are. I've said it. I've said it a million times. I've said it. The the very first thing that we have to come up with and the very the one reason that college football is great and i've said it all the time college football regular season college football there's nothing more important in sports than a regular season college football game yes because any week any loss could be the death of your team and any win could put you on the map just ask Minnesota. So that's yes. Just look at Minnesota. Look at Baylor. You know mm-hmm. Baylor. You know one half of you play one bad half of football and your season's over. Yeah, and they're done after the loss to <laughs> after the loss to Oklahoma. Let me get your thoughts. You said you had a wild take for me on uh, the uh, college football playoff four teams that are in the rankings right now if i remember correctly it is lsu ohio state uh clemson and georgia 
Yeah, the top four is the top four is 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 fine. I mean, we're we're looking. We didn't change anything from last week. Right. Not nothing got got that upset. What what I didn't understand, and um, the way I have now looked at this. A lot of people want to take these rankings as, all right, these are the best. These are the rankings. We're going to rank these by best, two of the best teams. Yes. I've, I've softened, I've softened on, on how, how we should be looking at this, this poll. And the way this should be, the way this should be, it should be who has the best chance, who has the best chance to make the actual playoff. Right. And if you did it by that, I mean, you have to look at, at these teams. And that's why I say, like, I don't understand how Oregon is that high. Mm-hmm. I would have Oklahoma a lot higher on this poll. Oklahoma just beat an undefeated team. Yes. They just beat Baylor. Okay. Baylor's better than anybody on Oregon schedule by far. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you went through and, and, and that's why criteria is so important. And that's why you have to ask, you know, when you watch these shows and when you watch, when you watch the reveal shows, I, I love, I love the interview after because you can tell that's where you can tell. I mean, it, it that's where you can kind of kind of get get information. I mean, they don't really tell you anything because I, I, I got to say, like ESPN, they they try, mm-hmm. but they don't really ask them. They don't really say, "All right, why this team? Why that?" Team? You know, they're not going to come out and say it. No, they're not. Because we could. Because the 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 thing is, you could go down the list and you could say, "All right, this is why they did this. This is why they did that." But it changes from team to team. It changes from pick to pick, from one to two. Why is LSU at one? Oh, they have the best resume. Why is Ohio State at two? Oh, because they're blowing teams away. Well, which is it? Is it yeah. the best resume, or is it the team that, or is it the team that looks the best on paper? You know, is it the team that wins by thirty every week, or is it the team that played tough opponents? Is it is it the is it is it who had the best loss? Right. You know. Is that your criteria, or is it is it by hey we played a tougher schedule, we played a tougher schedule than because because if that's your case, if that's your whatever your case is, and that's why I always say it, I always say when I do this thing, I tell you what my criteria is. My criteria is a it's wins, it's who you've beaten. I don't care. Who, you know, my first thing is, all right, how many big time wins do you have? And when I look at it, I'll put two teams together. I'll put, why do I have Georgia at four and Alabama at five? Because Georgia's beaten Florida. They've mm-hmm. beaten, you know, if you take the top five wins on each team's schedule, Georgia has uh, in Florida, uh, Auburn. Right. They already have them in, in the bag. Whereas Bama doesn't, whereas Oregon's best win is not even ranked, right? 
Utah's best win is not even is not even close to being ranked. Yet they're higher than Oklahoma, who's beaten who's beaten three teams that are in the top twenty five. Right. And has two more on and has two more on the schedule. Okay. That's that's what I've been looking at is and that's why I, I, I don't understand. I mean, Baylor dropped all the way down to fourteen. Mm-hmm. You're telling me if Baylor if Baylor beats Texas next week, Kansas, if Baylor Baylor's gonna be in the Big Twelve championship game. So if they win out if they win out, you're telling me Baylor doesn't have a right to get back in, in into this thing. They may have fallen too far because they lost one game to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. If they beat come back and beat Oklahoma in the Big Twelve Championship game, tell me that's not a better win than Oregon against Utah. Truth. I mean this is why I don't I don't get it. I I don't understand why some teams drop really far and some teams oh Penn State Penn State lost to Minnesota. We watched the game. Mm-hmm. Yet you're going to tell me Penn State's at eight and Minnesota's at ten? Why? Because the loss was last week. Yeah. Minnesota lost a Big Ten game on the road that people thought they were going to lose. They did. You know, they did. not many people were out there saying, you know, this is going to be, you know, Minnesota's going to blow them out. So why Minnesota? Why why they dropped that far? Minnesota's got a better shot at making the college football playoff than Penn State does right now. They've both got the same same shot. Now that could change this week when yeah, we okay. see Ohio when we see Penn State, Ohio State. That's gonna be the game that determines who's going to the Big Ten championship from the East. If Penn State wins, we're t- we have a different discussion. Yes. However, if if they lose that game, they're out of it. They have no shot. Minnesota at least has a shot to get back in, and they and they have they have a chance to clinch their division in the final week. Mm-hmm. And of course, your Northwestern Wildcats could throw a monkey wrench into that, and we know how that works. <laughs> we know how it. that works as long on as the road been... in the Big Ten. Yep, you and I have no, seen Northwestern it. hasn't won a Big Ten game yet. Yeah, yet being the operative word, and every everything is <laughs> standing in the face of, uh oh, like what what happens? What happens if 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 the if the worst happens? And, and again, I told you last week. I told you two weeks ago that they were on the on the edge of their seat. They're on the edge of their seat again. Yes, they are. You know. <laughs> and it, if if Pat Fitzgerald can get his guys, we know we know what Pat Fitzgerald can do. We know he can get his guys up for mm-hmm. for a game at home. Uh, it's going to be the biggest game of the year for Northwestern. You know they're not going to a bowl game. This is this is their bowl game right yes. here. Yes, this is, is. everybody's going to be watching. All eyes are on them. So it'll be interesting. And if Northwestern wins, I will proudly play their fight song on my program on Monday. I'm just putting it out there. Northwestern wins. Uh, I'm uh, playing that fight song. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, if they, like I said, this is the this is the biggest game they have all year. Mm-hmm. So, 
And folks, for those of you calling for Pat Fitzgerald's head, don't do that. You know how many injuries he had to deal with with his club this year and how many teams were actually good in the Big Ten this year. And plus, uh, Pat Fitzgerald has won many a ball game at NU. He's got the record for that. He won the division last year. You know, and, and Deet said on this show they were due for a down year. It didn't help with all the injuries they've had to overcome as well. But if they win Saturday, I'm playing the fight song and everything will be everything will get better next year for NU. All right, to the treat that I had teased all show long. Chris Deets has put together an operation to fix the college football playoff. And Deets, the floor is yours. All right. So the first thing that we have to, the first thing that we have to, there, there are three things that we have to come to a full on agreement with before, before we even talk about, Hey, let's fix college football. We have to talk about what the problem is. Okay. And the problem with college football is the people who designed this thing. They failed kindergarten math. <laughs> they failed counting. Okay? You cannot have five power conferences and four spots. It doesn't work. Math fails you. Mm-hmm. Okay? You have five power conferences. You can't have four. You have to have more than five. Okay? Yes. That, that's, that's, the init- that's the initial thing that that started now now what now what does it mean to be a power conference what what does that mean that that we can we can debate what what that means what it is i mean is the pac-12 really a power conference i mean they haven't been in this thing for three years straight (laughs) they've been an after they've been an afterthought and this year they could be an afterthought again yes you know we, we've seen the last two years, the last two years straight, we've had two SEC teams and we, we've had, we've gone into that final week. We went into the final week one, one year thinking, Hey, they might get three teams in a 14 playoff. That's how, that's how dominant the SEC has been. Um, so what do I, so, so it's, that's that's my premise of this. Okay. The number, the math just doesn't add up. You have 130 teams, and you have you have them squished in to hey, we're going to take four. Well, what does that do to your product? What it does to the product of college football is it basically says, hey, we have about we have 130 teams, and we really logistically. Eight of them have a shot. Okay, that's not a good ratio to say. Not at all. Hey, only eight teams have a shot, and and only these eight teams, because of because of an arbitrary system that 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 people have put together, that people go in a room and they try to figure this out. They they go in a room and. We know we know what can happen. We know what can happen. People are 
A, people are swayed by different things. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it. We've talked about it before. The BCS was created. Was They created the BCS because in, I want to say, 96 or 97, Mm -hmm. it was that 96 or 97 Florida State team that was just beating the brakes off people by 70 points. But they really weren't playing anybody. The ACC was terrible at that time. And yeah, it was. They were they were beating teams. They were playing teams like at the time, you know, at the time, Florida Atlantic wasn't. They they weren't what they are now. <laughs> no. They were a. They were they were a. Uh, they were like they were just becoming a Division One school. They were yeah. just trying to get in, and Florida State was playing. Those kinds of teams, they weren't playing anybody tough on their schedule. They wouldn't go out of state to play anybody, and they would beat these teams by 70. And people said, no, 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 we can't have this. We're going to take that out. We're going to take that out. We don't care how much you beat somebody by. If you beat them by 30 or you beat them by one, we want you to play tougher opponents. So that's been my premise the whole time that I've been going at this is, Hey, they want marquee matchups. They want you to play tough games out of conference. And if you're not in a conference that's really good, you need to go out and play somebody who's really good. That's been my take up until this year. This year, we're seeing what it is. We're seeing why is Ohio State ahead of Clemson? Because they're beating teams by 40 points on their schedule. Mm -hmm. It's not because Clemson's, it's not because Ohio State's a better football team than Clemson. It's because Clemson had a tough win at a tough opponent against North Carolina early in the season. Yep. And people say, "Oh, wait. Oh, wait. They only want they they're they're not they didn't beat the brakes off them. So they must not be as good of a team." No. It has nothing to do with point spread. Point spreads don't make a they don't tell you the story. They just tell you a a a, a team scores a lot of points or doesn't give up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all it tells me. Okay. Oregon is beating teams by 40 points in the Pac 12. Yeah. Their best win has six. Their best game has is against the team that had six wins. Yeah. You know, it, that that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. And they got, they, they went out and Oregon, Oregon. Watch the game. They didn't win. You didn't win your best game. Your best game, you lost. And Auburn's probably not even going to be ranked by time. By time we get done with this, unless something happens in the Iron Bowl, and we talked about it on Monday, I mean, everything changes now that Tua with Tua's injury. Yes. You know, is Bama vulnerable now? We'll we'll see. I mean, Mac Jones has we we saw him before. We saw him put forty eight on Arkansas. So, is it is it is it are they vulnerable? We'll see. But if Auburn doesn't beat Alabama, well, how far do they fall? And then you're looking at Oregon saying, well, where's their best win? Their best win is going to be if they win the Pac twelve title game, and then after that. Their best win is going to be Washington, who could could be six and six. 
It's very possible. Yes, it is. That's a rough. That's a rough. That's a rough tale. And the same thing with Utah. Their best game is going to be the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. So, so that's what we have to get get out of our. So why? So back to the point. Back to the point at hand. The point at hand is the math fails everyone. And why does the math fail everyone? It's because every conference does something different. Okay. And what has ruined college football? And I'll say, I'll say it. It, it, it served its purpose. It's been great to get us, get us games like Oregon against Utah in, in a championship and with a championship on the line. Okay. Why can't you have that game in a regular season? True. Why? Look, college bat. Everybody wants. Everybody wants wants a championship style thing like college basketball. Conferences are great for college basketball. Why are they great for college basketball? They, look, nobody's a bigger proponent of a power conference than I am. I'm a Big East. I'm a Yukon. I'm in Connecticut. I, I grew up with a 20 team Big East where 20 teams had a shot at making the tournament every year. When it was Yukon, Cincinnati, um, Villanova, Georgetown, St. John, and Georgetown, and all, and West Virginia, and Virginia Tech was in the Big East for mm-hmm. a lot, you know, before the big split, before, before the Big East got too big for its britches and decided, you know what, we want to be a football conference and not basketball. I mean, it works in basketball. Why? Because you play 30, 35, 40 games. Think about it. College basketball has already started. It started in late October and it goes into March. Okay. And they play to, they play in in season, they play two games. When when the season really gets going, they're playing two games a week. Okay, you can play those games. You can play home. You can play home and homes. You can play every. You can have a twenty team conference and play everybody twice. Okay, you can't do that in football. You have a finite the math. You have a finite amount of games. And you don't have an NFL schedule of 16 games. You have you have 12 games to get to to make your statement. All right. If you only have 12 games, how can you have a conference with 14 teams in it? <laughs> math again. Math fails you. Counting is important. It's important. Numbers are important. Obviously, if you have a conference, if you have conferences where, and, and the SEC is the worst at this. Again, they're the best conference by far in football. We, we get it. Okay. However, they're the worst at scheduling. How many times? <laughs> I, I've, I've been trying to look this up for the last couple of weeks, and I can't, I can't even figure it out because I can't remember. I can't remember the last time Alabama played Georgia in a regular season football game. I can't find that last time either. I want to say it was like 1995 or something like that. It's been been at least 10 years. 
at least, if not if not more. And uh, uh, how do you have that? How does that happen? I mean, how does that happen where your two marquee teams, teams we saw play each other in a national championship two years ago, mm-hmm. they haven't played a regular season game. Nope. They haven't played a regular season game in, in probably a decade. That's ridiculous. Okay. If you're in a conference, you should be playing, you should be playing every team in your conference every year. Yes. The, the, the Big 12 does it the best. The Big 12 does theirs the best. The only thing they screwed up is why do they have a champion? Why do I have to see Baylor and Oklahoma play again when I just watched it last week? Right. Okay. Why do I have to watch that as a championship game? I just saw them play each other. I just saw teams. I just saw every team in the Big 12 play each other. Why do they get to do that? The minute 10 is the magic number. Ah. Every college football conference should have 10 teams in it. That's it. That's the list. If you have more than 10, we have to cut you down. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I know people, this is where people are going to go crazy is in this is, but this is what drives, this is what drove me to this is, Hey, if we want to actually make conferences that people care about, that people can play every year, that's the first thing we have to do is we have to get rid of these power conferences and we have to make it so that, Hey, you play the same teams every year and who and we go head everybody goes head to head against everybody everybody plays everybody and we settle it on the field none of this oh well georgia had the best schedule because they played lsu and auburn and uh florida got to play against mississippi state and and, and somebody else no everybody plays everybody Everybody plays everybody in the same conference. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about scheduling. Halfway home through it takes, our- out, it takes everything off the table. It makes it that much easier. So that was my premise from the beginning was we need to get it to a, how many teams do we, do we need to, to have in a playoff? And uh, I'll, I'll get to the number, the number in a minute, the way that I, Narrowed it down. Right now, as I said before, we have 130 college football teams, and we have four spots. <laughs> That's not good math. It's not good math. It, it it dilutes the product to saying, "All right, well, really, at the at the beginning of the season, you can logistically say, hey, 10 teams have a shot." I mean, right now, it's probably down to eight there's probably eight eight or nine teams that have a legitimate shot that's not good math that's not good for your product Mm -mm. it's not good for your product it opens the door to people saying well what about this team what about that team well this team's got one loss but it was to this team blah 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 no if you want to take all of that off the table that that's that's what i'm trying that's what I was trying to get at. So I thought of a number. Now, when I put this together, I thought, hey, 
you could what you could do is take all of those teams and lump them together and say, all right, here's all the teams that have a chance. So we're going to make college football a 50 team race. You could do that. You could do it that way. Mm-hmm. Say these are the best. These are the best teams. We're going to plump them all together, and we're going to basically let the regular season play each other out. That's not going to work every year. Okay, every year you're not going to have the best teams. You're going to have injuries to people like Tua. You know, you're going to have injuries some years. You're going to have different things happen. So you don't want to be reclusive. You want to be inclusive. You want to make the pie bigger for everybody. Yeah. You want to bring more people into the tent. You want to, you want to make your tent bigger, not smaller. So, so that's what, so I've opened it up to where I think the right number is nine, where nine conferences and if you do the math, which again, there's, there's a lot of math for a sports show, but <laughs> 10, con- 10 teams in each conference, nine conferences equals 90 teams. 90 teams. Now you have 90 teams who have logistic shots where, and, and my, my position is nine conferences and a 12 team playoff. Okay. So, so how do you get into the playoffs? Now, here's how here's how you get in. I'll go into how we get in, and then we'll do then we'll do the conferences because I think the conferences will uh, will be the 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 hardest thing. That will be the hardest sell to everybody. Is hey, we're gonna break up. We're gonna break up different things. We're gonna put different rivals together. What about this? What about that? We'll get to that in a minute. But here, here's how it would work. So I said, you have nine conferences. If you win your conference, you automatically get a ticket in. Okay. Hey, wait. Wait. The math. The, again, back Into to the, the math. World. Wait, you said there's 12 spots. Yes. That leaves three open spots for a committee to decide, hey, these are the three best non-conference champions. So you're getting it. So you you have an opportunity there. So it's not like, hey, just you know, the biggest argument against conference champions. People people want to people want to say why conference championships should matter. Conference should matter. Yes, conference championships should matter, but they don't right now. Oregon wins the Pac-12. That doesn't punch their ticket. No, That's it doesn't. Just say, hey, we're a conference champion. You know what I mean? That I, I don't care if you're if you go six and four and you win your conference, they, you beat everybody else. And that means everybody else in your conference was terrible. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you won, if you were able to win it with, if you were able to win it with six with six wins, you know, uh, and take your beloved Northwestern last year. Okay. I mean, I mean, if they had won the big. Big Ten. If they had won the Big Ten championship game, yeah, they would have been. They would have had what eight, nine wins. Yes. But all their wins were all. They won all their conference opponents. They, the the bulk of their conference opponents, they beat them, and they beat the teams that they had to beat. That to me is more important than, hey, who did you play out out of out of your conference and. 
Had they won that game, had they won that Big Ten championship, they would have they would have been a team that was going. Now, they would have been been a team, and I would have said they they earned the right. They won their conference. They earned the right to to fight for a championship. Absolutely. Okay, they earned they earned that right. They earned it on the field. You have to make if you want to make if you want to have conferences, you have to make them worth worth their worth their their weight in gold. They have to be worth something to say, hey, you were the you were the Big Ten, not just hey, we were the Big Ten champions. That's great, like that's awesome. Well, who cares? Who cares? You 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 you're still not going to get in. There was. There was three years ago where Baylor was undefeated, or not Baylor, TCU was undefeated. They won their conference. They won mm-hmm. their conference. And Ohio State, a one loss Ohio State jumped them. Yes. Because people said, oh, well, the Big 12 is not that good. Wait, they, they, they can't help that. They beat everybody you put in front of them, and then you want to tell them, "Hey, because uh, your conference isn't that good." No, we we want to put these other guys in. Yeah, how's that? How is that fair? How is that fair? They didn't lose a game, and they got kicked out. They got jumped. They got jumped in the polls because they won their conference championship. Mm-hmm. Don't make any. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so. That so that's how it works. So you have your nine conference champions, automatic ticket punched into the into into the dance. Then we have three teams that a committee will look at non conference champions and they will rate them based on how good their comp how good their conference was, who they played outside of their conference, and and how did we get teams in. Now that's the that's that's the premise. That that's how we're getting to the playoff. Now, how did I make the conferences? Now, look, college football is not fair. It's a not fair process. College football is a is is a microcosm of life. Life isn't fair, guys. Okay, there are going to be times where the SEC is trouncing everybody, and they have the top five teams in in one conference, and there are times where they could have one team in there, okay? I mean, you, you look at the ACC. There was a time where the ACC was thought of as Miami, Florida State, uh, Clemson, North Carolina. They were all really good. Now you look at it, and it's Clemson. Just beating the – it's, as I call it, the all-Clemson conference. Mm-hmm. Like, there's Clemson and nobody else. It's the That's ACC true. championship game is – the annual, the annual Clemson Classic, where they just go in whoever's in, whoever comes from the coastal, they just beat the brakes off them. Yeah, and it's basically go home. You know, it's thirty-five nothing at halftime. Have fun, guys. We'll we'll see you later. Like, so you you could have you could have that kind of thing where a team just runs rough shot through their conference, mm-hmm. and then you could have another conference where it's you know. That's not how I put this together. I didn't put this together by saying, all right, Bama and Clemson, I want to see that all the time. I'm going to put them together. That's not how we, that's not how college football works. College football is regional and 
to get anybody on board with this to say, hey, you're going to have to play nine, nine games, nine games that are scheduled on your schedule every year. You're going to have to keep them regional. Teams of Alabama is not going to be like, hey, Alabama, the president of Alabama is not going to say, hey, uh, I'll sign up for playing against Oregon every year. They don't want to make that. They don't want to make that trip. They don't want to make that trip every year. No, they don't. And Oregon doesn't want to make that. They don't want to make the trip out. They don't want to make the trip out to, you know, they don't want to go from Oregon down to Miami every down to Miami every year. That that's the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, they would love you know. It, it's cool every once in a while and as a, as a one-off, but to have to do that every year, that that's stupid. It It's stupid. It's not logical. It's, it's money's not, the money's not there for it. Like it's just that you're, you're asking, you're asking way too much. So everything of this is done by region. And that's why I say te- people are going to go nuts when they hear these conferences. But what you have to th- remember is it's by region. It's not by, hey, this team's really good. And that's the thing that, that can change things. We could look at one of these conferences, and I know there's a come I look at when I put them together, and I said, these teams, you know, this is very weak. This is a very weak conference, and the, the, the pe- people, would, people are going to be up in arms like, how is this team? They, yeah, they won their conference, but their conference is bad. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it happens. Mm-hmm. It happens, but you know what? In a couple of years, if you had this program in, you'd see athletes going, "Hey, wait a minute! I can go there. I can win. We can win. I'm going to go to this school because they play in a weaker conference. Right. I might be able to get in." Yeah, we see that in college basketball all the time. We see John Morant go to Murray State because, oh wait, no, none of these big schools want me. I'm gonna go here, a place I know I can make the tournament and I know I can shine. Yep. So you're gonna, so it, it's going to balance itself out. It's gonna play itself out. So I caution everybody: don't get hung up on, oh my God, all these schools are. You lumped all the good schools together. It, it, it's it's not my fault. All the good schools are in in the South. <laughs> all the good college football programs, the perennial teams. <laughs> if you were if you were to ask me, who are the in the last ten years? Who are the perennial teams? Guess what? Eight or nine of them are from the South. True. Eight or nine of them are from Florida, South Carolina, and Alabama, and Texas, mm-hmm. and Lo- and Louisiana. You're 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 gonna get you're you're gonna ask, if you ask me which programs have been the best over those times, you're gonna get SEC schools. You're gonna get ACC schools. You're gonna get um you know the Big Twelve down in Texas. That's what you're getting. And maybe, maybe you have one or two California teams. That's it. That's the list. So don't get hung up on, hey, all the, the this is a powerhouse conference. Because there are some powerhouse conferences. I yes. agree. Yes. But, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say, hey, we're going to lump everybody. We're going to try to bring more people into the tent, but we're going to try to do less. Now, I said that I said before nine, I said 10 team, 10 conference, 10 teams in each conference. Mm-hmm. Now, most conferences, most of the big time conferences have 12 to 14 teams in them. Yes. That means some teams are going to go. And what I tried to do 
by stretching it to nine, what I tried to do, I tried, I tried to keep at least seven big conference teams in each of my conferences. That means each team, each conference had, has about three non power five schools in them. Now, all right, let's get to, I think it's, let's I think get, it's to time we get to the conference. All right, we'll start, we'll start where I did. And as I just said, down south was down south, it's the hardest thing to do. Now, what I tried to do is put teams in and I tried to put their primary rivalries together. Okay. I, 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 there are teams and we can talk about it. We can talk about, you know, we just had it this weekend, Georgia, Auburn. Yes. Is that really Georgia's primary rivalry? No, no, not. But you'd think about the name of the game. The name of the Georgia Auburn game is the longest running rivalry in the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. They've, they've, they've been doing it a long time. Now the question you have to ask yourself is, is that more important than the biggest tailgate party in, in Florida? Is it more important to, and, and that, that's something I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a Georgia fan. I'm not an Auburn fan. What, what, what rivalry is more important? You know, which one is the most important so to me? Auburn's big, Auburn. I mean, uh, let me just put it this way. Auburn fans aren't going to Georgia to poison their, you know, no, Alabama fans are, aren't poisoning trees of other teams. They're poisoning trees in Auburn. Yes. Okay. That that that's your biggest rival. So, I, I had to keep things together. So let's start. So we'll start with what I call the Florida division, and it, it, you'll see it. You'll see a theme with this division mm-hmm. as, as we get out. But I had, I had Flor- Florida, and you put their rival in. Their biggest rivals, Florida State. Mm-hmm. So I've got Florida, Florida State, Miami, obviously down in Florida. Right. Now, I thought about who else can I get that's around these these teams. I went to the Georgia State. So I've got Georgia and Georgia and Tech. Georgia Tech. Is your, Georgia Tech is, is their primary rival. It's It's been their rival all the time. It's an in-state rival. if I'm going to do it by region, I have to put those teams together. Then I went, then I went to an interest. This is where the interesting route comes. And I went, I went to Tennessee. So I've got Tennessee and Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. in that conference. And I like the last three. And I like the last three you put in this conference, Uh, South Florida, Memphis, and UCF to round out that conference. I like how you put them in there. Yes. And as I said, I tried to put, I tried, because you know we're stretching it. So you have to put some other teams in. And I think, A, we've got Florida. And I I, I had the two Tennessee teams, so why not throw a Memphis in there when, I, when I'm looking at the other teams? We're coming let's up on a, the second conference. Okay. We're coming up on let's a time limit. Second, so let's no. let's look at a couple more. And I like okay. how how so, this one started with Bama and Auburn, biggest rivals in the same conference. Yeah, as I just said, Auburn, Auburn, Alabama, you have to keep them together. That that just makes sense. So from there, I went with LSU, Mississippi. It, once you put Mississippi in, you're putting Mississippi State in. 
And then my other big time conference teams, I went to Kentucky. So I went Kentucky and Louisville. Mm-hmm. You've got rivals right there. Those are rivalries that you have together. And then I went to UAB. Obviously, it's in Alabama. I saw you're, that. You're looking at it. We have Bama and Auburn already there. And mm-hmm. Troy is in Alabama. Yep. And Tulane is in Louisiana. Right. So, again, you're seeing it. It's regional. It's not by, hey, here's the best. You know, Alabama's, you know, probably the best program that we've had for the last 10 years. Well, I'm going to take the best non-Power 5. No, that's not how I did it. I did it by region. So it's it's region regional bias here. And this could the, be this next one could be a return of the Southwest Conference. You got Texas, you got Texas A&M, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, all of those are in Texas. And then you go to Oklahoma, you got OU and Oklahoma State and Tulsa, and then you go back to Texas and you got Houston and SMU. So this could somewhat be a return yeah. of the Southwest Conference. I love how you put them together. I, I love again. It, it's just like opponent, like like areas. That that's that's how I, I I think it should be. And basically, you have your regional, you have your regional matchups. And yeah, Texas A and M. They don't have a, a rival in the SEC. Right. They just they haven't. They haven't. They haven't made it, made it that far. They so need, they need to bring why back take Texas. Them out of Texas. They need to bring back Texas A and M and Texas. They really do. And now you and that that. That's the same way as the next one. As yeah. the next one, I, I want to move. You know, move on to the next one. Clemson, South Carolina. That's yep. a big rivalry. Yes, They're is. not in the same conference, but that's why I kept them together. I call it the Carolina Conference because it's South Carolina, Clemson, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Duke, Wake Forest, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and then this is the one conference that. I, I, the math just didn't work out to where I could get seven and three, so mm-hmm. I had to go eight and two. Right, but I had East Carolina and Appalachian State, and people will say, "Oh, what, what have they done?" Ever since Appalachian State's been in the the big time, which is the last two years, they're going bowling again. They're yes. in the top twenty five this year. So, I, I, I and everybody wants to go back to that Michigan game. They're way better than they are mm-hmm. than they've ever been. So, give them their credit. They're in North Carolina. I, I'm I'm gonna take them in. Let's go out and west. See what we you have got a there. Regency, we have a regency bias because a lot of people don't pay attention to the Pac-12. Right. I do. Even though I live on the East Coast, I still watch Pac-12 after dark because <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I'm a psycho. Because I'm I'm a fiend. <laughs> but uh, so we have we have. Um, we have the West, out west. It's basically what the Pac Eight used to be. You know, it, it's basically what, what they've been, mm-hmm. and you got to keep all the California teams together. So yes. I've got USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford. I mean, uh, who 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 doesn't love Cal, Stanford? The band is on. You know, the band, the is, band out is on the on field. The field. Like, <laughs> you have to keep them together. You yes. Have to. All right, you have to keep the Civil War together. So I have Oregon and Oregon State to, mm-hmm. in, in there. And then uh, it was a toss-up between where I wanted to go between Arizona, it, between Arizona and Washington, where where I wanted to go. I chose Arizona for this. I think they're more. I picture them more out west than I do Washington. Yeah, and that that might be, might be. I, I could easily be talked into. Hey, well, we're going to take air, either way. Either way, it, I could be talked into it. But I went this way because I 
that's the way I picture it. Um, and then as my as my off teams, I put San Diego State and Fresno State. Right, right. Good so, inclusion. Again, region regional biases. Re, regional. They're they're both in California. I went with the California team. Let's look at one I, more conference. This is what I would call the mountain. Okay. I would call the mountain region. So be the last Utah, one. Utah, Colorado. So be the last one we look at. I want to bring you back tomorrow so we can uh, look at the rest. Look at the rest of the conferences, and then what I'll do is I'll put the two pieces together in a very special segment. Let's look at the Mountain Conference, and then we'll close here. All right. Um, and, and this one we talked about. We talked about it last week of you know rivalries that were were great back in the day. Yes. And they're just starting to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Colorado and Nebraska. Colorado and Nebraska deserve to be with each other. Absolutely. They, they, that rivalry is. Yeah. Bring back if you the, go back in the history, that's fantastic. That's that's now, big. That's big A football right there. Yes, that that that's what I was going back to, and I was like, it, when I was putting this together, I was thinking, all right, how am I going to put this conference? Oh, and once I put Colorado in, I said, oh wait, I got I got to put Nebraska in with that. Yes. Um. So Washington, Washington State. Then it gets down to Kansas, Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Now here's the interesting part of this. Now. You can get at me all you want about about the service academy. <laughs> and you could say, oh, the service academies don't deserve it. Don't des-. No. As a football, as a college football historian, as somebody who uh, loves Patrick, go watch. Go watch an Army Navy. Just sit down and watch an Army Navy game. And watch the pageantry behind Army Navy, behind Army against Air Force, Navy against Air Force, the Armed Forces Trophy. Like they have a trophy, okay, for the three that play each other. If you want to keep them separate, if you want to take them out, I I, no more. You know, more power to you. Like Mm -hmm. that's your thing. Like whatever. As a historian, as somebody who cherishes those programs, I kept them in it out of history out of tradition of the game they're worth it to be in yeah okay and it would be nice to see army and Navy. if you go back in in the uh, you know back in in the logs of college football if you go back when when army navy were the they, they were the marquee program like yes. they were where everything where everybody everybody was that that's where everybody went and they were the big program. So it's kind of a, a nod to them. And that's why I threw Air Force into this, into this conference. It's just mm-hmm. where they fit. It just, it, it just, it just happened to be that way. I had Colorado in there already. Air Force is, of course, in, they play their games in Denver. Um, you know, I, I think, I think that's, that fit for them. I put, since Utah's in there, I put BYU in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about Utah State, but I think BYU is, A, they're a better program, they're a better overall, and I think they're an overall bigger rival to yes. Utah than, than the other. And then I threw the, Bron- I threw the Broncos in there, and I threw the Blue Field in, and <laughs> Boise State, they're the team that got everybody on this kick of, whoa, whoa, the little guys can play with the big guys. Mm-hmm. That, remember, that was Boise State. That was, that was, that was, that was the Jared Zabransky. That was Ian Johnson running, running the, the Statue of Liberty. 
Like that's what got all of this together. Yeah. That's what that's what made that made us say, Hey, wait, the little guy deserves a shot. So a little nod to them, throw them in in, in this in this kind of division. And yeah, I'll gladly come back tomorrow because yeah, we got to um, we got to finish we'll this. Do, we'll do the rest of them, mm-hmm. but there's also you know there's also people are going to say, well, how are you going to do scheduling? Because we talked about all the problems right. with college football, and I'll get into a how teams will be scheduled, and b just a little tease for tomorrow how teams can get from outside of the conference outside and get into a conference and vice versa, be kicked out and how we change it, how we change it up mm-hmm. so that not you, if it just cause you're in a conference doesn't mean you can be Arkansas and go Oh, and eight. <laughs> okay. It doesn't mean you can go. It doesn't mean you can go Oh, and eight for four years straight. It doesn't, <laughs> and it doesn't mean, Oh my God. Northwestern is having a bad season, not to pick on your Northwestern, but not to say, oh, they had a bad, you know, they had a bad season. Get them out. That, that, no, that's not how it's going to work. It's not going to be every year. <laughs> there, there's, there's, there's contingency plans. And then, and we'll, so we'll get to the rest of the conferences and then we'll get to how the playoff will work. Cause that will be an, that, that'll be it as well. Cause as I said, yeah. but as I said, I want to leave you with this. 12-team playoff. I'm going to love 12 teams that. would be 12 teams would be in, and you would have nine guaranteed in, and you'd have and you'd have your everything would be settled on the field. <sighs> What's the goal? Would... The goal of this is to settle it on the field. Is not to settle yes. it in a boardroom. No, nope. not to settle it on paper. Not to settle it on metrics at. I hate the word advanced metrics. I don't care about it. I don't I care about that. that. I want to see what I it plays that. like on the field. Yeah. Tell me what it looks. Show me. Don't tell me what it looks like. Show me what it looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris Deeds joining me here for hour three. We thought we could squeeze it all in an hour. It's going to take some extra time. So Deeds will be back tomorrow to finish this. We'll look at the rest of the conferences. We'll see. We'll hear all the contingency plans. Again, I'll, I'll schedule that for hour three. And that's the last one for this week. I won't be on Friday, but I will be back on Monday. Deeds, thanks for the time, buddy. I can't wait to hear the rest of this tomorrow. You got me psyched about it now. Of course, and of course, we're going to dive into a lot of this on Fit Down Sports Show. Uh, we're going to do a show on Friday. We also have an impromptu Trinity Gauntlet tonight. Nice. So check those programs out. Uh, get at me on Facebook, Chris Dietz, uh, D-I-E-T-Z. Uh, get at me on Facebook. I will explain everything and anything to you. If you have questions about this, get at me. I love to hear questions and comments. Cause that's how I get better. That's yeah. how I make, I've been doing this for years now where I'm like, all right, this is my plan. And then somebody says, wait, what about this? And I'm like, Oh, I didn't think, of, I didn't think of that. Right. All right. I got to go back to the ground board. Yep. That, that's how we fix these things. This yeah. is not hey, hey, the last thing I want to say is don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. No yeah. system is going to be perfect, right? but we can do better. We can do better. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. We can do better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, buddy. Appreciate the time. All right.
Thanks for having me on, man. I'll definitely be back around tomorrow. All right. Thank you, buddy. All right. Wow. I thought it would take an hour, and it's going to take longer than an hour to really <laughs> settle that problem. Advertise with us. Drop an email to snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. That's snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. Support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash SIT morning, where for as little as five bucks a month, you could become a patron to this program. You can help support us, support everything that we do. I got to get out of here. I will see y'all tomorrow. And then after that, I will see y'all on Monday. Uh, Mike DeBate will rejoin me tomorrow. We'll do our picks. Chris Dietz will join me during hour three to finish his breakdown of college football, how it can be fixed, and a 12-team playoff. That's tomorrow. I got to get out of here. Until then, have a great day. God bless. Remember to make your next move your best move. And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they are not big enough. Dream big, do bigger. I am, and I hope you all are too. Until tomorrow, Snowman out.